Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 20 of Nerdy Show. Hi, I'm Hex. Triforce Mike. Cap. Brand. <laughs> and uh, what you just heard was Cosmic Thing by the B-52s, the titular track. Uh, you said tits. Uh, exactly. <laughs> You're on the ball tonight, man. Oh, you said ball. <laughs> <laughs> is this the show about tits and balls? Yeah, no, this is the <laughs> this is the show about um, about cosmic things. When are we going to have the tit and ball episode? Well, we did the Rule 34 episode. Oh, gosh. Well, I just want to do an episode about fleshy orbs. Fleshy orbs, eh? Yeah. Hmm. Is there any fleshy orbs, like, you know, balls? Mm-hmm. How about balls? heavenly orbs? Oh. That's this episode. <laughs> That's right. All right. Yeah, this is, this is an episode of, of heavenly bodies like Gamora and um, hey, yeah, uh, yuck, yuck, yuck. and the guardians of the galaxy say moon women dragon. and Uatu. And yeah, <laughs> moon dragon's pretty heavenly. Or or uh, and Aresia. Yeah, Aresia. Rocket raccoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, rocket rocket persuasion. raccoon's red rocket. Yeah, no, Cosmo has a red rocket. Yeah, Cosmo's a red they rocket. They both have red rockets. They just come in different shapes. <laughs> well, one is, a, one is a rocket. <laughs> one is, one is a, a good old USA rocket. The other one is a cosmonaut, like, <laughs> clunker. No. no. <laughs> well, that was that was Cosmic Thing by the B-52s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, um, an awesome song and an awesome album. One of my favorites of all time. And this is our episode uh, focusing on the cosmic, mostly cosmic superheroes. Um, you know, we talk about Green Lanterns a lot on the show, as you may have noticed. Yes. But in this episode, we're actually going to be focused on all cosmic superheroes. We have not just an interview with Tony Bedard, the lead writer of Green Lantern Corps, but, and and Rebels. You're right, sir. I was going to say, if we're taking a focus off of Green Lantern Corps, we need yeah. to mention Rebels. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. And we I will mention yeah. the hell out of Rebels, in fact. Uh, we also have... Um, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, the two men who have completely overhauled Marvel's cosmic books, finally and made all of them completely awesome. Oh completely my gosh! Sick. Yeah. And, and, and Annihilation was so freaking awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. It begins with the Annihilation War decimating the Nova Corps, and and it's it's like you've got Green Lantern Rebirth, which brings all the dead Green Lanterns, you know, brings back the core, mm-hmm. brings back that concept, and then you have the Annihilation, which destroyed the Nova Corps. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, while one was coming back to life, one was being destroyed. Just dest- And it's been, after that, it's been war after space war after space war. And it's been incredible. And all the books that spun out of that, the no- uh, Nova's book, and... Um, the Cosmic Marvel... Guardians of the Galaxy. Cosmic Marvel has more wars than the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, I don't. I mean, like all this stuff is going jihad. on. Yeah. All this stuff, all this epic stuff with the Nile is just piling through the freaking yeah. uh, Milky Way. And on Earth, a bunch of people are like they're they're complaining about like the, the superhero registration act. I'm just looking. I'm like, this is so banal no idea. compared to what epic crap is going on out in space. Did you read the what if, um, like what if the annihilation wave? hit Earth. No. It was a pretty good what if, and because the books were published around the same time. The Annihilation Wave being, of course, a swarm of insect-like creatures from the negative universe. Yeah. That that whole conflict from the Annihilation books, the giant massive space war of all the cosmic Marvel heroes versus this onslaught of space bugs, hits Earth at the climax of Civil War. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
So it's like the Iron Man Captain America face off is happening, and all of a sudden Nova crashes right next to him during a giant. And he's like, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's so. Cool. Ow! Yeah. <laughs> so who would win in a fight? Oh, God. The negative zone <laughs> or the anti universe? Like, like Quard? Yeah, Quard. Well, there's also anti Earth where the crime syndicate is at. Yes. Which is in the same universe. Right, which. Yes. No, they would they would tear that bug man from the negative zone. Yeah. The negative zone isn't like a full fledged universe. It's like this pocket dimension. Yeah, it's like it's like a space between dimensions. It's like what if the phantom zone was Well the full way of they bugs. explained it is like the negative zone is what used to be and as the universe expands the negative zone contracts. Yeah. Right. Which is why they were pissed off. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not it's not as big and so yeah, you would just have um, Ultraman and Superwoman just destroy. Everything. Ultraman's like, I'll go take on an island. Superwoman's like, I'll go take on Blastar. And then it's over. <laughs> Done. Everyone's dead. And, <laughs> and really, um, Owlman's been orchestrating the whole thing. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. He, he kills everyone and then has sex with everyone and just keeps moving. Owlman is a broken little creature. <laughs> I, I love that in the, the cartoon he was voiced by James Wood. Wood yeah. James Woods. That was pretty cool. That would that was the the crisis on two earths. Mm-hmm. That was what it was called, right? Yeah, yeah. That was an incredible piece of animated uh, DC universe. Highly recommended. Yeah. Okay, and so let's also talk about what else we're going to talk about. Yeah, we actually let's have some meta talk. Yeah, we've got because um, this is an epic episode to complement. Yeah, an there, epic talk. There's a lot of things going on here. It's not just comic books. We actually have uh, gotten a chance to get a first look at the new expansion of Eve Online. The only MMO in space worth a damn is from what I've heard. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have anything to contribute. Yeah, in fact, none of us... <laughs> uh, Brian played EVE Online, and uh, none of us here actually play EVE Online, so we're actually going to have uh, one of our behind-the-scenes people, Miss Kristen Friends, will come on and tell us about what's been cooking with that. They've also got a, a tournament, I hear, but, uh, you know, more on that when it comes up. Big, big space tourney. Hmm... Um, For those of you that uh, are going to be in the Los Angeles area next week... It's important to note, Nerdy Show is going to be at E3. <gasps> and we're going to be at what? all the cool parties. We're going to be at the West Coast Wig Out. Yeah. We're going to be at the VG Charts party. And what what did we, did we just get invited to? Oh, yeah. We're going um, to be demoing Rock Band 3. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're going to be at all these cool things. And if you're over there and you're cool... You want to buy me a drink? Buy me a drink. And and if you're not over there and you want to be in with us on the fun, we're going to be video podcasting every single day that we're there. Yeah, it's um, vidcasting, man. Yeah, vidcasting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds way more futuristic. Like, I know. It's like when they took video blogging and just turned it into vlogging. And then and then we're gonna know, do it in three like D style. It'll be tridio. Oh shit. And they, <laughs> tridio. They took film. And, and blogging and called it flogging and, hmm. and, and there's um, no better future than the 80s future <laughs> I call it it just led to self-flagellation and that was a party <laughs> he was just having a and party. we're gonna have a big D&D announcement later on for all you Dungeons and Dorito heads out there and we know there's an awful lot of you yes this what month. a bunch of nerds <laughs> <laughs> this month is going to be the triumphant return of D&D it's been away for far too long and we have as Hex said, a big announcement in this episode, which you're going to want to stick around for. 
uh, to get you all pumped on what's in store. And if you need the uh, some nerdy show action between the episodes, our own uh, Tony, the amazing nerdy show artist, is pumping out nerdy strips. Yeah, we've got actually a, um, a very special nerdy strip this time around. It's going to be the debut of us as superhero characters. So you um, may have met Mike as the cock. As the cock, that's 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 happened already, right? Yeah, and it's I, happened to a lot of people, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Mike has his own name yet. But we haven't really Hex and Brian and I. I don't think we actually have decided on what our superhero names are. But we we've got the costumes made. And that's I thought what it was counts. awesome, kickass man. If you if that's what you want to be called, no, it's not no, what want to be no, called. No, okay, okay. Uh, I came up with names for you guys, but they're really explicit and 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 kind of like puns with genitalia. And, yeah, I remember. We cannot all be named the cock. <laughs> well, I need I need two little midget sidekicks as as the balls. Oh, damn it! Oh, I really do not. Oh, uh, that's that not me. Things. I'm too tall. <laughs> damn it! Um, of course, if you if you really do love this uh, quality quality banter uh, from your boys at Nerdy Show, um, we would love it if you voted for us as the best. Uh, internet site in Orlando and the best radio in Orlando though because we're we're bringing you A3 we're bringing you the comics we're bringing you Dungeons and Doritos I mean you're listening to us we know you think we're awesome so we're bringing you the Nerdapalooza news this is the place to be whether you live in Orlando or not please go to nerdyshow.com you'll find a link on this episode and you can vote for us that would that would be the bee's knees just trust us. If you're not from Orlando, everything else in Orlando blows. <laughs> yeah, that's why you ran. Exactly. That's why you fled. Mm. 800 miles was not enough. <laughs> We've also got a uh, article on Maker Faire from one of our new correspondents, Jessica Ullman, who's going to be a regular fixture in the Nerdy Showverse, but in a way that you will not expect when it comes <laughs> for you in the night. <laughs> on you in the night. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, musical break time. What you got for us, Hex? So what I have, because this is the cosmic episode, what I have for you is once again our scientific musical pal, George Rabb. And this time he is bringing us... Who's going us, to be a He's going to be a nerdpalooza. What? He's pretty awesome. And this is his song, Far, where he quantitatively tells you how big the universe is by saying it's really, 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 really far. Like you can't drive that distance in a car yes, in a day. Yes, you can. Is that is that is that part of the lyrics? That's part of the lyrics. Oh boy, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> you gotta check out the video too. We'll have a link to the video. Cool. Enjoy. You ponder the universe and a look comes across your face. You try to fathom distances of all the stuff in space. But you can't wrap the bacon of your mind around the big Of all the terms required to describe how big is big So let me get specific And use words scientific Go whip out your thesaurus For this exacting chorus This stuff is far It's really far This stuff is far, far, far away And we're talking far Your brain as your mind gets blown by what I just did explain. 
sorry if my words might drive you all insane, but that's what happens when precision is your middle name. So with an exacting factor, like some sextant or protractor, using details quite semantic, I'll show how huge is this gigantic. Stuff is far, it's really far. Stuff is far, far, far away. We're talking far, over far. Can't get there by car, no way. Super duper crazy, permanent, just pulsars, quasars, and stars. How can it's far, 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 far? If there's a doubt, just do a shout. Your stuff is far, too big to explain in any concise way. Might just have to take three hundred. Some technical assistance And haven't caused your ticker Too much ventricle resistance But you have got to listen And trust my insistence That I am very accurately Describing the distance One more time This stuff is far It's really far This stuff is far, far, far away We're talking far Like far Take it there by car in a day It's super, duper crazy Permanent just pulsars, quasars And stars on it It's far, 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 far.
just heard Polygon Sun from Chromalodian's outro album. Um, I think it's called Triangular or Chromalodian. That's appropriate. I like all these mathish words. But uh, they sound like magic. Chromalodian. Like Porygon Sun. We we play <laughs> we played Chromalodian before. They are the they are a major staple in video game inspired music because they were one of the first bands to go. I'm going to make music that sounds like video game music without actually being a cover. Which is great. Bleeps and bloops and shit, man. Yeah, the bleep bloops, the chippy toonies. It's it's kind of chippy toony, except it's with actual live instruments, and they yeah. modulate them so they sound like it's been oh. made with the six. Like it sounds like it's. Oh, okay. So like like the instrument, a Nickelodeon. No, no, it's not. No, it's the originality that you've been wanting from chiptunes music without it being a cover of something. So it's well, good. video game inspired music. Video not really game chip inspired. Tunes. Okay, okay, because chip it's a live band. Is original. Chiptunes is also original. Yeah, it's original content. It's yes. OC. Mm-hmm. Not- anyone who copies and pastes stuff just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who just takes sprites from video games and just and, and just, just adds, and makes an entire, entire living out of it and then jumpstarts a career. Criminals, all of them. Criminal. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm calling the police, Brian. I'm calling the police, police right They're now. They're on their way. I'm sending them to arrest oh, you. Oh, no. They've already got Charlie. <laughs> they better they not. They can have him. <laughs> <laughs> they better so not have Charlie. What we've got right now <gasps> is we have a outstanding interview with Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. As I said before, the gentlemen who made Marvel's cosmic books worth a damn and have created... Um, a tapestry that would make George Lucas commit suicide because his shame would be known to him. Um, it is that I don't awesome. Think, I don't think George Lucas has the mental capacity to realize shame. Hopefully no, we can ask him at Star Wars Celebration. Oh, that'll go over real well. Yeah. Like, do you feel shame, George? George, do you feel shame? What I feel is money. Yeah. <laughs> George, why did you if, my If childhood? he read these Space War books... It would be like in 2001, and he would open his eyes and say, my God, it's full of stars, and, and then he would wake up in heaven having realized that he blew his own brains out. And I say heaven arbitrarily, because how can I really know where this, this fat man will go? Without further ado, here is the Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning interview. Featuring... Um, myself and Mike uh-huh. and Aaron Holland of A Comic Shop and A Comic Show. So guys, you have basically cleaned up Marvel's cosmic books and made that entire section of their universe completely full, unique, and exciting again. This project has been going on for years and is still continuing. How did you get the gumption to just go in there and clean house an entire universe? That probably wasn't our plan to begin with. I think it's fair to say, I think Andy will agree with me. We were huge fans of of Marvel Cosmic when we got the opportunity to write Nova as part of the Annihilation series, the original Annihilation event. And uh, we had such fun with it, and it worked, and we were asked to do some more. And I think incrementally we have moved from there, and every time we've had an opportunity to extend our influence in the cosmic sphere, we've done that. That's right. In fact, Dan and I, just before we went on to do the Nova series as part of the Annihilation, we'd just come off a run of uh, about three and a half years of the uh, Legion of Superheroes for DC. 
and uh, Dan Wright for 2000 AD as well. And so, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, the sci-fi side of things seems to be something that appeals, uh, which, like Dan said, we, we were given that opportunity to play with characters that we grew up reading and were able to really dig out any character we wanted. We were given the keys to the cosmic shop. Hmm. Well, we certainly didn't have a plan to begin with. It was a matter of sort of improvising and, and taking advantage of every opportunity we got. As we did get more opportunities, we did begin to evolve some kind of plan. And it might not have been set in stone that clear where we were going, but we had certain goalposts, if you like, in mind, things that we really wanted to achieve or hoped we'd get to achieve. So we started to set up things that, if everything went according to, to our mental plan, at least, uh, we would get to do the setup for them that would, would have been uh, put in, into the comics early enough. So uh, it's lovely to work on a book or a, essentially a pair of books with, with extra bits alongside where you get to see that thing through, where you set out, you begin to build up a roadmap and you actually get to see it through to the place that you were heading. So this has been a really smooth project in that case. No uh, editorial roadblocks or anything, huh? There's been the usual sort of good, healthy editorial debate where we've thrown ideas in and some have come back and they said, no, don't do that or can't do that because it conflicts with something else. We hear that a lot, though, with uh, a lot of creators. They say their DC stuff is kind of like, no, this is off limits. This, you can't do this. You can't do that. And with Marvel, it's like, hey, if you come up with a good enough idea with that character, we'll let you run with it yeah. because that sounds awesome. Like how no yeah. one writing Green Lantern can use Nort. As far as Marvel's concerned, like you say, they just seem open to a uh, good idea uh, and it worked. They go with it. And we were given stuff that we didn't dare ask for. <laughs> I was um, a store owner and a huge fan of you guys with Legion. I got into Legion after Zero Hour when it was a obvious jump on point. It was a reboot again. I wasn't really enjoying it but I was still reading it. I don't know why. I like the concept. I like the characters. I like that. And then you guys came along with Legion of the Damned, and you just totally Empire Strikes backed it. I mean, you just totally screwed up. Like, they did not call them the Archie Legion anymore. And then you had Legion Lost, and you just pooped all over them. It was, it was awesome, and I loved it. But as a shopkeep, there was never any graphic novels. It frustrated the hell out of me that there was this good-selling thing that was obviously something I could get people into, and there was no graphic novels. I personally think it was Paul Levitt's fault because it wasn't the type of Legion he wanted. I couldn't possibly comment on what you just said. <laughs> oh, okay. It just seemed telling to me, like, you know, Paul Levis did it back in the day, and he was doing something completely different, and then you guys were breaking new ground and obviously resonating with an audience again, I think the first time for this generation with the Legion. Yeah. And there was no graphic novels, and it was so frustrating. I think the uh, politic answer to that would be that because we did essentially five years' worth of material but it was on re rebooted Legionnaires. It was on the reboot version of the Legion. And therefore, it's not the same continuity as classic Legion, nor is it now the same continuity as the Legion that they've returned to. It was extremely frustrating to see our material there, which we produced in formats that could easily have been collected, not be collected. We were given free reign to do anything we wanted to do on Legion, except one rule we had to stick to is that we had to keep to the reboot version, which is the one thing, of course, that most of the uh, Legion fans didn't want us to do, which is why we were fighting an uphill battle all the time. I think there's been one collection. I think latterly one section came out, but it's... Uh, yeah, one was just, in, in, If nothing else, there is uh, there's some great art yeah. there that I'd love to see collected and, and produced for a modern audience. After Legion Lost got such good reviews and was like the wizard book of the month and whatnot, and you're doing Legion Worlds, it was like the perfect opportunity for Legion Lost to come out before the <laughs> relaunch yep. title. And With DC... <laughs> <laughs> Green Lantern has been just a major driving force of the entire company, really, at, at this point. And you guys do a similar sort of book over at Marvel with the Nova Corps and, and the Guardians of the Galaxy and all that. But it's it's a different book. What would you say to Green Lantern fans that would encourage them to read your amazing books? 
they can each get a, a Nova helmet with, that they buy. They oh, buy. that would be great. I would love to get a free Nova helmet with every book. <laughs> <laughs> the Green Lantern and the Green Lantern family of books are fantastic. And there is obviously a comparison with what we've been doing in Nova, inevitably. Space-born superheroes who essentially perform the role of law enforcer or cop or whatever you want to call it. We have great admiration for what Jeff Johns particularly has done with Green Lantern. And in fact, one of the things we've tried hardest to do with Nova is not to do what they've done. Because it would be too easy to say, oh, it's just Marvel's version of Green Lantern. They're just trying to do a, you know, a, a version of that. It, it's extremely difficult to try and use many of the same elements without just duplicating the sorts of stories and the sorts of things they've done. I think it's got a slightly different flavour. And I think it's, in its, in its early part of its run, more like a police procedural. I think it's got that feeling to it. I think the interlock of books is a very different dynamic as well. The way it interlocks with Guardians through the various events, the most recent being War of Kings and everything like that. I, and, and now, obviously, with Thanos in I think the characters, the way they interconnect is, uh, is slightly different. And there is a great sense in Nova of a character really coming of age. Nova had always been looked down on as a lower grade character in the Marvel Universe. And here, here was an opportunity for him to really show that he was Premier Division with Premier Division powers. It's great now seeing him appearing in uh, Secret Avengers, for instance. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Cap's yeah. like, yeah, I got a guy who can do Mars. All right, done. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the great shame with deliberately trying to give it a different flavor to the Green Lantern which was it completely destroyed our whole pink Nova Corps idea. <laughs> I was hoping for a pink Nova Corps, but... <laughs> Nova becoming a cool character is, I think, one of the greatest things to come out of Annihilation, because I remember yeah. when he was um, kind of farting about in the, the New, New Warriors. Warriors, and, you know, he was kind of a joke there still. Yeah, and... this cosmic-powered guy that was just, you know, hanging around with a skateboard dude. It didn't it make weird. any sense. And yeah. I, I love when that started, <laughs> and, like, and the Nova Corps, as it was then, which seemed very much like the Green Lantern Corps, was completely destroyed. Uh, yes. And you guys got a fresh start, and it's, it's been phenomenal. I think anybody who does really truly say, I love outer space superhero books and just read DC are completely missing out. Because, I mean, really, you can just read Marvel's cosmic books and still be a complete DC fanboy because they stand by themselves. You guys have fleshed out a, a tremendous world. I, I think, think uh, no uh, that unturned. obviously will be compounded when we do our slightly gray afternoon events that happens quite soon. Which is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> is that like London or something? Yeah, yeah this is okay. every day. Yes. Every day. Big Nova and Captain Britain team up. So... <laughs> I read Thanos Imperative, and oh my god, I love Rocket Raccoon so much. It was ridiculous. He is just like my favorite character in Guardians. Every scene, it seems like he steals it. Well, he's uh, talking Raccoon, so that helps, I think. But uh, yes, he is a great character to write. That's one of the fun things we have with Guardians, is that every single one of those characters has got something really strong and appealing going for them. Not just one, but two outstanding talking animals. I remember when Cosmo first showed up <laughs> and I said, oh my god, if they don't bring this character back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but these guys are stepping up and giving us two talking animals that don't even like each other. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of green people. I like that too. Like that. <laughs> yeah, we've cornered the market in green people. Now, in Thanos Imperative, there's a whole hell dimension and a, a, a bunch of Marvel demons. Were you guys riffing off of Marvel zombies in that, in that respect? <laughs> no, I think it's much more a sort of HP Lovecraftian uber cosmic horror riff rather than a, a zombie riff. I think that it's that ultimate cosmic dread. It's it, the apocalyptic dark side of what is so exciting and bright about cosmic superheroes, really. Like an Ed Horizon sort of situation? Yes, yeah. That mixed with, uh, you know, Call of Cthulhu in space and that kind of thing. Dan and I were given the chance to develop and write this overall macro story that we'd come up with at the very beginning of our run on this. So we, we had like three years and, and countless number of books to develop it in. And we've gone with the idea of having this 
this uh, cancerverse, this universe where life had won, and we didn't really know how to visualise that. It was always there, right from the very first issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, when they, they were dealing with these rifts in space-time. The thing that was trying to push its way through was a sort of tentacled creature. The only thing we visualised at that time was a, a universe where everything is vibrant and full of life is just as bad as a universe that, where death ultimately wins. It, it, it falls into entropy. And we kept using the analogy of uh, a garden, sort of like the height of summer in the very, very long, lazy days of summer when everything's steamy and over-ripened and over-hot and choked with weeds and everything, that that is just as horrible, if not more horrible, than a garden that's absolutely dead and frozen in the, the height of winter. From the very get-go, we had these tentacle creatures, and that eventually developed into the Cthulhu-verse. So uh, that was kind of like the idea. It, it seems now, yeah, obviously the zombie stuff has cropped up in, uh, alongside that at the same time, but that was always there from day one. That was poetic. I like yeah. it. Just to clarify us, I mean, we're in the South, in American South, and you know, a lot of our customers aren't really the brightest. They like the zombies, but zombies are kind of five minutes ago. I mean, it's so bad now that Howard the Duck's in it. Now, Shush! <laughs> so anyway, what we're doing is, you, you know, we're saying like, alone. we're saying, hey guys, we know you did the zombies and that's played out, but this is Marvel Demons, man, and you need to like get with God and get these demons, get these Marvel Demons out of here, man, because these Marvel Demons are taking over. You need to get them before they get your good gas, you know, and, and I, that's how we're selling it. I, I think it's working. Well, it was either that or we did the Gatorverse. <laughs> oh, shit. That kind of fan rage is definitely a plague worthy of its own universe. <laughs> but the, that life thing, when um, Thanos went into that universe, it was just so ridiculous. People are going to love that issue. So make sure everyone listening picks up Thanos Imperative Issue 1, because it's hey. good, man. Thanos is the ultimate. And Rocket has some serious hardware in that issue as well, didn't he? <laughs> and strategy, too, man. Here's a question, though. Having said all that about the three-year plan and that you did all this stuff and it all came to fruition and it's wonderful and beautiful... You guys have any plans after this for these characters? We've this? always got plans. That's comforting. I was actually wondering. I mean, you guys have gone through so many events, just like back-to-back wars of all different varieties. Will it bottom out? And I guess the answer is no. We well, have we to keep trying fresh things, don't we, Andy? I mean, we'd have to keep, yeah. keep doing And every now and then, that means changing stride completely to, just to try something completely different. But we found, even with the cosmic books, one of the things that's kept us bowling along is every time we've had what we, feels to us like a really good idea, in working it out, it's generated other grounds, and we've realised there are other things we want to do. And we don't want to give you the wrong idea as well, because uh, as much as we say we had a plan, we knew we had that idea for the life first, but we didn't know the specifics of, of anything. So, like Dan said, when you come up with one idea and you think of other stuff we tend to just drop things in there you know that we can pick up later on that was the whole cocoon arc during the uh, guardians is uh, any number of characters i think even howard the duck could have been in the cocoon at any given time <laughs> we knew uh, yeah we knew doom was a great storytelling device we knew that at some point the revelation of who was in it would be brilliant <laughs> and we had a short list of characters that would be revealed as we got closer and closer to the point where we felt the cocoon needed to open we decided which character it would be and eventually of course we decided that was the best way to bounce back so it all worked very nicely but it's the kind of seeding of plot device that helps carry a story along when you're going oh yeah I'm, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do with this but it's really useful to have it here and nice. the, other, the other great one for that as well which I, I hadn't thought about Adam, but, but if you remember the same with, with Starhawk we hadn't nailed Starhawk's future or exactly what was happening we just 
said that the second time Starhawk showed up, we said, why not make it a woman? <laughs> and we didn't know why. We just thought that, that sounds really wacky and would keep the readers on the edge of their seats guessing what's happening. At the same time, it's got us guessing what's happening as well, which is it's, it's kind of an exciting way to write, I think. It sounds like it, yeah. yeah. Yes, there's the loose ultimate goals and there are things like that, like with the Starhawk. We had a rough idea about what Starhawk's future was about, but how we explained it and how we portrayed it, like having multiples with some of them being different genders and that kind of stuff, was this that you then invent on the hoof to get you to where you need to be. What came out of that was that brilliant scene where we have Kang in his time ship with an eerie full of different types of Starhawks, which, you know, that wasn't something we knew from the get-go. That absolutely developed out of us on the hoof developing that idea and, it, and for me I think it's one of the a fantastic visual of hundreds of, of Starhawks uh, Wes Craig did that and then uh, Brad Walker did a wonderful version of it when we had the Guardians of Multi-Galaxies which again something we had thought of day one but something that developed from you sort of like riffing on those ideas I had a question for you guys, and I don't know if, if I'm just weird or even if it's true, you would be able to confirm or deny, but I kind of was hoping or felt like um, the Kitty Pride in Space was going to dovetail into some of your books, and then it didn't. Was that all just in my head, being a weirdo? No, no, she did. Uh, she actually just passed straight through the books. <laughs> <laughs> you, you missed it. <laughs> I was you... just wanting that to happen. I thought it'd be cool because well, you guys have X-Men in your... You're not alone in that, Aaron. I thought the same thing. Uh, there are sort of uh, territorial lines that are difficult to cross within within the Marvel Universe where some characters belong specifically to some areas and some belong to others. And there's all sorts of reasons, most of them very good reasons, why you don't want to uh, cross-contaminate. And we were very lucky, actually, to get to use more in the stories we've told, particularly in War of Kings, actually, with a lot of X-Men stuff. I think that's one of the things that made War of Kings really interesting is that we were able to take a lot of traditional as it were, Avengers Marvel cosmic stuff like the Kree and put them into a story that had traditional X-Men Marvel cosmic stuff like the Shi'ar and actually play out something that made perfect sense but then didn't see very often. And we couldn't take that as far as picking up on that brilliant X-Men story with Kitty Pride. But even so, yes, it would have been lovely to do that. Her return w would be such a dramatic and important piece of storytelling that it was quite right that that had to happen in the pages of the X-Books, really. Yeah. She's much as we would have loved to have played with that stuff. You know, you, you can see why that would make total sense for them to say no if we were to try to grab that. I mean, something like Sword, like Dan said, we haven't, have no plans at, at present. But again, things like that, they make logical sense. And if something makes logical sense, then there's generally no one, unless they're doing something otherwise with them, they won't say no to it, which is why we were able to go as far as we did with the Shi'ar stuff and, and then ultimately with uh, the Inhumans and the Kree as well. Because it, it all just seemed to seamlessly tie up and make complete sense. And not only that, it developed and enriched the Marvel Cosmic Universe, it brought it all together as a cohesive whole then. I don't know if uh, questions about your guys' bromance is off limits, but um, you know, it seems like you guys really have some magic gel together. And um, I just wonder if you could go into detail about how you bounce things off each other and you know what magic is made when you guys spend quality time one-on-one -on -one together every week. Writing comic books, right. Well, that happens as, as a byproduct. We do it to stay sane. That's the simple truth. <laughs> Andy obviously spends a great deal of his time as an inker. So, you know, essentially five, six days a week at his drawing table working on pages from Phil Jimenez or Mike McConnell, whoever he's working them with. I write on my own. So I'm writing for 2000 AD. I also write novels for Games Workshop, Doctor Who for the BBC, that kind of thing. So I spend a lot of time writing my own stuff. And for the last goodness only knows how long, Andy and I have written comics for America together 
because it gives us an excuse to get out of our houses once a week, <laughs> sit down together and just and bounce ideas off each other. And it's great because we don't go stir crazy. You don't have that sort of cabin fever that afflicts freelancers. And we have a huge laugh doing it. And I think we come up with better storylines because we've thrown things at each other. We, you know, we push each other further than either one would go individually. We've kept doing it, I think, because we're both aware of how much good it does for us, both in terms of the work we produce and the work we produce the rest of the time. I'd never have written, I think I've now written 37 novels. Uh, uh, and I'd done that if, I, if that's all I'd done. Yeah. If I hadn't written comics at the same time with Andy as a great way of venting pressure, I'd never have written those things doggedly day after day. So what work on who have you done? When I was working at Marvel back in the uh, uh, late 80s, I used to work on the comic strip. The Doctor Who magazine was being produced uh, there. And I used to write comic strips with Sylvester McCoy, okay. who was the seventh Doctor. Yep. And then in the 90s, when they brought Doctor Who back in his current incarnation, I've written several audio books that have uh, been produced. I have one that was read by David Tennant, another one that was read by Martha, another one that was read by Catherine Tate, the different assistants. Yeah. They're original stories produced for the BBC and then released on CD for the fans. And I wrote one of the first... Torchwood books. Before Torchwood had even been on the telly, I had to go up to Cardiff where they filmed it and we shown the scripts and shown the base and shown the set and had to go away and write a novel based on a show I'd never seen. <laughs> and in fact, very, very frustratingly, when the latest season started with the new Doctor in it, they'd approached me with the possibility of writing one of the, the novels based on the new Doctor. And I was committed to a novel already and I couldn't write it. I was very disappointed because that would have been great fun to do. And, of course, the Thanos imperative is going to be going on for a month all throughout uh, Marvel's kick-ass books, and you can jump right on to that. It's cool. You'll learn to love these characters, whether you know them before or not. But, of course, uh, Annihilation and um, the Realm of Kings and all those amazing space wars that those guys have written are all available um, in really outstanding collected volumes. Yeah. You can you can jump on that anywhere. You know you know what's really great about that interview and and these guys and you know redoing the whole Marvel cosmic universe that it's amazing and great once again or impressed for the first time <laughs> is that I get to screw it all up by doing <laughs> the Avengers and the Infinity Gauntlet for Marvel Comics starting in uh, August of this year. Yeah. Four issue miniseries, redoing the Infinity Gauntlet as if it ain't never happened before. Oh shit, crazy stuff. There's space pirates and I don't know what's going on. And we're actually going to be talking more about that after the jump. Yep. <laughs> what we have next is straight off of WhoMakes.net, which we haven't touched in a while, but it's still awesome. So if you mm-hmm. haven't heard about it yet, go to WhoMakes.net. Yeah. What we have is a dubstep remix of the Doctor Who theme. This Hell is, yes. And this is by DJ Naders. Sure. Celebrate Mr. Lanning's uh, Doctor Who exploits. Heck yes. I know. I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in my Thank you. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
And what you just listened to was JMR's Meteorites and Rabbits. That was the only Super Mario Galaxy track listed over at OC Remix. Hmm. Nuh-uh. It is? Well, liar. doesn't move on new games too quickly. Usually. They don't. They, so I'm actually shocked there's any of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's cool. I mean, yeah, they don't really like covering modern music, except for, like, Mass Effect 2, because one of the old-school OC remixers, yeah. Big Giant Circles, is actually a composer for Mass Effect 2. You guys know the big, the big news about Mass Effect, right? What? That um, it's basically got a feature film in production. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. Why don't I know this? I, I, I don't know. I'm actually kind of kind of shocked. It's, uh, the news is a little old at this point. Um, what? This is, Dragon this... Age is going to get an Animu. Really? Yep. Weird. Dragon Age is a really fun universe. Um, yeah. But an Animu? Yeah. It seems a little... It seems less accessible than Mass Effect to a mainstream market. Uh, this is a, a statement from Bioware um, that was posted to the forums by a legit person. Um, I'm very pleased this morning to announce that there will be a Mass Effect movie made by the fine folks at Legendary Pictures. I know there's been a lot of speculation amongst our fans ever since Mass Effect 1 came out as to whether or not there would be a movie. Who would star in it? Who would direct it? Would there be a wreck-sized bucket of popcorn, etc.? And I can now reveal that yes, there will be a movie. Popcorn deal is still unconfirmed. Uh, they go on to say, Legendary Pictures studio behind such great films as Dark Knight and Watchmen, etc., etc., etc. So, you know. That's I just want to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. I imagine that the Rex-style popcorn would taste just like poplars from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, that was posted by user, a legit person, in the Mass Effect forums. That's the username? That's a legit person. Yeah, the, um... <laughs> uh, the, this, let's see. It's, uh... Being produced by Thomas Tull and Josh Jashini, uh, along with Avi Arad, who, who did like Spy- Iron Man, X Men, Spider Man. Um, Dang. And yeah, I mean, this is going to be a big deal. Like, I think you know Hollywood knows that they're worried about how video games are bigger than them now, and they're trying to you know catch that bleed. They tried so hard to kill the concept of a video game movie with Street Fighter and Mario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried so hard. Damn it, Brian! Now I'm really hungry for poplars. <laughs> I don't even know what they taste like. But they taste amazing. You know that. I know that. That's all I know. Ah, you just want some. Oh, they're so good. Uh, well, Brian, you were leaking some info about the Infinite Gauntlet, Infinity Gauntlet. Tell us. Tell. Don't, let's do a little recap on that. All right. What you got is you got me talking funny because I moved. <laughs> and it hurts because you're an old man. And I'm an old man now. Because I used to read the Infinity Gauntlet when I was a wee kid. <laughs> but what you got is uh, sort of a not, we're just ignoring continuity. It doesn't in, impact current continuity, doesn't touch on the old continuity. It's just this here's this brand new adventure based on the Infinity Gauntlet saga, and it's just all new, and we're just going to have a blast doing big cosmic action. How many parts is it? Three? Three parts? It is a four part series. Four parts. It will begin in August. And it will be monthly. And uh, that's right around Spider-Man and Doctor Doom steal the show. Awesome! I like yeah. those guys. I know you've been excited to write Doctor Doom for a long time, big time. Um, but actually, uh, this is the first I've heard of Spider-Man being a, a primary focus for you. And that what was what was it like working with Spider-Man? It was a lot, a lot like working with younger, stupider Robo. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. So someone, yeah. someone who's like. 
I get it. So they're like funny, like Robo's yeah. funny. So he's, we're gonna catch him saying stuff like horse feathers. Not stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, not the old timey stuff. He'll be he'll be the you know the, the mouth of the group. Maybe Spider-Man Noir when Brian White's Spider-Man Noir. <laughs> yeah. Horse feathers. Yeah, white guy. Horse feathers. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man Noir's creepy. Yeah, horse feathers. Um, but yeah, who else is on that Avengers lineup? Is it like a, a classic lineup with just those two guys, or? What we got is Spider-Man, Wolverine, because he's on every team. Right. We got the Hulk. We got Miss Marvel, and we got Doctor Doom. That's so cool. Oh wow. That's a, Basically, that's a, bu- a bunch of my favorite characters, because it said, pick anybody you want. So I said, <laughs> these people. Miss <laughs> uh, Marvel's only been cool recently. What drew you to her doing her? The fact that she's been cool recently. I really liked her solo series. Uh, the role that she played in uh, Civil War, I thought was kind of interesting. She was sort of torn. Yeah. And uh, I just like, she's got a good cosmic power set. You know, she's had experience in space battles and stuff, so she was a good choice for, like, team leader for this Motley crew. That's true. I, you know, I often forget that Miss Marvel has a, a cosmic background, which is... I think she want, wants to forget it, too, sometimes. Yeah, every yeah. time it bubbles up in the in the new comics, it's always very, very bizarre. She's, yeah, for a moment, she turns into Kif, just going, Ugh. <laughs> 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 Jeez, you know, we're talking so much about Futurama, I'm kind of buttoning my lip, but... But um, we're gonna play a, a, a Devo song a little bit later for a very Devo reason. But um, but actually, Devo and Futurama now are commingling. Um, <gasps> yeah, I'm very excited about this. Of course, Futurama is being restarted. It looks like it's actually you know it could be good. It's not yeah. gonna be like the Family Guy restart where everything sucks. But you know we'll see. We'll see how long it takes before we're like oh god they should have restarted Futurama. Anyway, hundredth episode special. Mark Mothersbaugh and the rest of Devo are in this episode. Oh my god. Campaigning for mutant rights. This is an official synopsis. Lila's parents are second class mutant citizens who live underground in the sewers, as we all know, of course. Um, and the members of Devo have mutated over the years as well, and Mark Mothersbaugh helps their campaign for equality. That's so awesome. What would be great is if they were actually already established mutants from the show, like the foot guy and, <laughs> and the mayor with the arm sticking out of his head. <laughs> like they were always Devo. They just talked slightly differently before. <laughs> they didn't talk about it because it was, Devo was a thousand years ago. They've moved on. <laughs> that would, that would man, be only too appropriate. I don't think that episode can be bad. No, it doesn't sound like it. No, yeah. I don't know what I'm more excited about. Like, Tron teaming up with Daft Punk or Devo teaming up with Futurama. Like, seriously. <laughs> the uh, the lowdown for this new season is there's going to be 26 new episodes. Good lord. Yeah, I know. Like, that's like, that's a, <laughs> that is an overfull season. So yeah. Let's hope they've got it in them. Let's hope they've been riding them this whole time they've been off the air. <laughs> seriously. Um, it's going to start June 24th, actually, so pretty fucking soon. I had no idea how soon what? it was going to be. And um, on NerdyShow.com, we've got a link to it, a recent interview with... Uh, you know, executive producer and lead writer. I, I believe he's the lead writer. Right? David David X Cohen, basically. Yeah. David yeah. X Cohen. Yes, yeah. he is. Uh, so that's uh, if you want insider information on what's going to happen this season. Like the, he's basically laying all kinds of bombs out there Dude, for you to trip over. That's gonna be fucking cool. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Got to set the DVR to record. It's I like know, I was just thinking that. Now, back a couple episodes ago, we did, of course, a Mario-themed episode based around the release of Mario Galaxy 2, and we hadn't gotten a chance to play it yet. It was your Wincest is in another castle. And uh, just briefly, since this is a cosmic episode and we just played that Mario Galaxy song, I think it's only appropriate that, that I t- discuss Mario Galaxy 2 a little bit. 
Yeah, lay it on me. Now, I like the first one okay, but it yeah. was completely not challenging, and I felt a little bit raped. I felt like, what are you doing? This is stupid. And we talked last time about there might be that more Super Mario World right. aspect of the, the several paths to the same. I, I feel that the secrets in this game are not as buried as the reviewer on Kotaku made them out to be. Uh, However, this game is more challenging uh, right from the get-go. It's still not tremendously hard. Uh, but uh, but it's it's more challenging and therefore more fun and far more enjoyable than the, than the previous one. All the worlds have kind of fewer things that they ask you to do. So as so so far, I haven't seen any repeated environments, which was a huge problem last time. It's like we did this before. Here it is again. Uh, this it's every every single level's been really fresh and everything's been really fun. Uh, they do shower you with one ups. You will never want for one ups. Um, one time I was doing something that was admittedly very, very hard, and I went through probably around 20 lives, but by the time I finished getting it, I had over 60 mushrooms. <laughs> because there was a, a, a little trick that you could do very easily along the, along the road, and it gave you three one-ups. Oh my gosh. So you were gaining guys faster than you were losing them. Yes. In this game, you are consistently challenged but never punished. Yeah, Shigeru Miyamoto said some things lately about not wanting to, to punish people for, you know, failing in video games, which I just completely disagree with. Yeah. He, uh, he said that Zelda, the last Zelda game was too hard and they need to be easier and was immediate backlash. Yeah, unfortunately, his people, yeah. like his young people who were make, designing the game said, no, 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 and pretty much assured him he didn't understand what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That old fuddy-duddy with bad teeth, he just... <laughs> in video games. Yeah, them, 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 back in my day, games were hard because we didn't know how to make them easy. <laughs> now I want to make them easy. He's no, made no. some of the hardest mainstream games of all time, and it really upsets me that he's saying things like that now. It's, just, it's like, oh my god, you are old. That's so sad. Am I, I, I fear to draw the parallel between him and what what might be down the road for him, which is uh, the George Lucas of video games. No. It never. Never. I don't think... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But, but never. I don't know. I don't know. I like. I look at I look at Donkey Kong, and I think that's a consistently hard game. Oh, my gosh. I love it, and I can, I can you know, beat those four levels over and over again as it forces me to. And yeah, but can <laughs> you do what they do on King of Kong and, like, make it to the, to the death, death screen? Where it's, yeah. No. Where the game itself runs out of actual RAM. No people can't do that. Not real people. So we've got Kristen on the line. Hey, Kristen. Hey. Hey, what's up? Now, how long have you been playing Eve? Well, okay, let me back up. Oh, can I, can, I, can I feel this? Yes, let's just pretend for a second. I don't know what the fuck we're talking right, about. Right, I was going to ask, what does <laughs> Eve stand for? Because I'm about to say, I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Okay, actually, I know that Eve is an online game. Uh-huh. And it's yes. outer space. And is this the game where you can, like, buy a massive spaceship with real dollars? Well, you can buy real... You can spend real dollars from, like, Chinese farmers and get ISK, but we'll pretend I didn't say that. <laughs> but, what? yes, you can spend real money and get spaceships. Is this the thing that they... Like, some organization made a big-ass spaceship and then it got destroyed by... Griefers. By griefers. Hordes of griefers. That that's the uh, the story that's going on around the uh, the giant um, Titan ships, which are not just a giant spaceship, but also like a jump gate, um, is the best way to describe it. So yeah, like a, like a jump gate, like like a like a far gate. Yeah, think of like what Mass Effect, like what Mass Effect is. Okay. Technically, it's 
along those lines, only a giant mega ship. Okay. Okay. And so, so people spent real dollars to build one of these spaceships. Now, my question is, can we use EVE Online money to get real spaceships? No. Because if so, I'm going to go on there right now. I want a disconnect. But you also aren't a person. You sell your soul and you become a machine. You are a spaceship in this game. I'm pretty sure, right? That's how it works. No, you're a spaceship pilot. Yeah, you're a pilot, but all you ever yeah. really see is you, a spaceship. You don't really, you create an avatar, but you are technically... So I, I can I can be Avatar. I can be like your ship. One, yep, I, you are your ship. So I can be I can be an Avatar though. I can be like, like a, a big blue like creature. A navi. I can be one of the Navi, right? Just or, doing it for the hair Navi, sex. Navi, like like hey, listen, is that no, 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 like like yeah. um like Aang. Okay, I'm a little, oh. little bald Tibetan kid okay. with an arrow on his head. I see where you're going and I will with this. Kick your ass with wind. So power. what you're saying is, Eve Online, I could be an Earthbender. Yes. <laughs> no. Metal bender. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I let you guys play in the, in the sandbox for a while. <laughs> Shit got real. Well, let me let me back up. The, re- the reason we're talking about Eve right now is that Eve has been Eve has been going on for a long time, but they just dropped a substantial expansion and they've got a massive tournament on. Uh, so let's like first come first things first. Tell us what uh, is new about Eve. Um, well, the brand new expansion or. Uh, that just came out as Tyrannus. So Tyrannus, I can never pronounce it right. It's added a lot of new stuff to the Eve worlds. Um, they've just released Evegate, which is, I think the best way to describe it is like Facebook for your avatar. Um, you have your bios. It's a whole new way to browse the, um, the communities of Eve Online through the game. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that's really, um, it's really interesting because it takes it to a whole new level. It makes your avatar, not just your avatar, but more of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? More of an extension of you rather than just a ship. Like like a, like a, like a social networking site for the hypothetical Yvonne. character living in that ship that you used to never see? Technically, yes. That's the best way to describe it. You have a blog, you have a personal information, it shows you the corporation, the alliances, you're part of your wealth, your training. Um, it's also, yeah, it's, it's really neat, and it's actually, I'm a lot more elegant than just the sidebar of how Eve used to be. So it's a really um, fun dynamic that they've added to the game. In, in the social network, do you also get spammed by Farmville notifications? Yeah, I mean, it's like Farmville, it's like Moonville or something yeah. crazy that comes to terraform this planet. <laughs> but it's not a real planet in Eve, it's a fake planet in Eve that only exists on the social networking site. Exactly. So did Eve lack a decent um, inner communication with other players? Is that why, why this is sort of a necessity at this point? Um, yes and no. It depends on how you looked at it. They've always had just like a really interesting community inside. Like they have their own radio in Eve hmm. that plays their own music. Um, when they were doing the tournaments, um, all of the broadcasting and the commentary on the tournaments were done by players. They've had a really like rich community, but this just kind of adds to it and makes it a little bit more in depth. And it's really, really an interesting way to see how they've taken it and run with it. I guess is the best way to put it. What else did they add to the expansion? On the expansion, one of the things that, um, I don't know if people who play EVE, um, one of the main ways you can make ISK is through mining, and it used to be you would take your your ship. You said ISK before, let me stop you right there. What is that? Is that currency? 
That is their currency, yes. Okay. What does it stand for? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Internet service connection with a K. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm so smart. You are correct. Where's my smart cookies? I can get one. <laughs> I'll tell Yoshi to bake some more for you. Yay. <laughs> what, 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 do, does it actually mean something? I mean, I assume it does. Yes. ISK stands for interstellar, um, forget the last Currency with a K. <laughs> yeah. Interstellar servitude credits with a K. <laughs> Well, so, uh, so sorry, I'm sorry for interrupting. What were you, what were you saying about ISK? I just called the ISK for so long. The K stands for Krona, which is Krona? The, the national currency of Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where the company, that's where the company that makes Eve is based out of. Oh. Huh. Oh. You were making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interstellar Krona. Krona. <laughs> because in the, the marvelous future of Eve, apparently Iceland has become, you know, the the, the main thrust of all the human civilization. As we would have all expected. I mean, we've seen the polls, we've seen the financial graphs. This is the future people. I mean, Iceland it's, survived a freaking like volcano. That well, they call it Iceland. They've already survived the, the ice ages and the future ice ages. <laughs> <laughs> so. The future isn't going to be some sort of weird hybrid Chinese-American thing like in Firefly. It's going to be Iceland. It's going to be Iceland. I'd still avoid any call to colonize Miranda. I'm just saying. Hmm. I hope Bjork's on all their money. <laughs> I'm, I'm into this. I'm now into this. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's clean it up. It's a interstellar credit with a K. It is. So 10 cool points for whoever got that. Oh, really? Wait. Yeah. It's Krona. It's, it's, it's not Krona? Brian was lying? No, no that is that, Icelandic Krona. It's taken from the name Krona. Yeah. Um, so, yes, he is right, but also Interstellar Credit is right, but it's credit with a K. Weird. Okay. Well, I was joking. I, I thought that w you were correct, though, with your joke, so congratulations. Give me my brain cookies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else does the expansion have to offer? Um, well, once again, going back to the mining aspect, usually you would just sit in your ship and for hours upon hours, you would sit there with your laser and go <laughs> But actually now what they've done is they've created to where you could actually do it on planets. And it's actually more than just buying a decent mining laser and having a decent, you know, industry ship. You actually, um, you go there, you don't have to buy the structures um, from a spaceship. You can buy it on planet so you don't have to transport it. And actually mining is not just monotonous now. It actually requires a lot more uh, planning and strategy to it and a lot of micromanagement. So if you're really interested in like the dynamics of it, you can make a lot more money mining now, and it's not going to be as monotonous, but it's definitely going to take a little bit more thinking rather than just dumb grinding or mindless grinding. That sounds like, a, all that, in all, a pretty solid upgrade. Yeah, it is. Um, once again, just going back to the Mass Effect, think of, you know, instead of... Just looking at a planet, you actually are putting down probes and getting your um, getting your minerals that way. So that's what this um, is going to do for it. It's going to be a little bit more in-depth, going to bring players, quote-unquote, out of their ship. Yeah. Um, it's the, so it's, once again, adding to a little bit more of the dynamic of the game. Hmm. Well, now, there's a, one of the tournaments you mentioned before. There's one of those going on right now, the EVE Online yes. Alliance Tournament 8, actually. What's, yes. what's that about? What, what kind of tournament that, is this? Olympic? This is. <laughs> Olympic this wrestling is like, nude. 
this is their, um, like, the best way to describe this, their PvP Battle Royale. Um, it's what it is, is it takes about, I want to say, 42 slots. The first 16 slots go to the people who placed finals um, last um, alliance tournament, and then 16 are bought, and then the other 16 are random trials. And what it does is it uses like a point-based system, and it's almost like an interstellar Thunderdome. And you take ships based on a point system, and then one alliance against another alliance, and it's like a battle to the death sort of there's a time limit but there's a lot of stuff that go on ships can be held for ransom you can get potted um and it happens they have two um qualifying rounds which was this weekend and next weekend and then they have the final rounds which are coming up next and this is basically for like eve cred so so in this eve universe they have tournaments where spaceships fight each other and they have and these spaceships are like your home (laughs) <laughs> because you never leave them. So it's it's like if people who lived in trailer parks crashed their trailer parks at each other and <laughs> shot cannons. Trailer park jousting. Yeah. So Exactly. I don't I mean, I would never fight with my house. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's <laughs> where I live. I'm I'm That's actually because people are hardcore and you're a big wuss. <laughs> <laughs> well, the prizes for this are pretty impressive. I mean, fourth place, you get 10 billion ISK. You get limited edition ships. And since all of this, Eve is only played on one server. It's not separate servers. Oh my so God, that's, the, that's The renown crazy. of winning this is huge. You are like a god amongst the Eveites. Amongst the nerds. <laughs> yes, you are a nerd among god. nerds. Super space nerds. One should also note that upcoming, eventually, they're going to release Dust 514, which is a whole new MMO based on Eve, where you are a dude, you're out of your ship, and you're out shooting stuff. Oh, wow, I didn't know about that. And it'll tie in with Eve, but you don't have to buy both to play either. That's really cool. If you have both, you could probably, like... Yeah, there's probably some kind of crossover, but... Anyway, that's been in development for a while. I'm not sure when it's supposed to come out, but that sounds cool. It sounds cool. Yeah, Brian, you're an old school Eve player, and Kristen, you've, you're a current player. Yeah, I've played off and on for the past four years. So she um, totally knows more than I do. <laughs> maybe yes, maybe no. I've taken huge breaks in between, so you might know more than me. But I, I remember in my day, I, I, you know, the coolest thing I did is that when I made my little avatar dude, because you get to choose your appearance, I gave him Thug Mug. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my big Eve story. <laughs> this, I think, game, uh, this game sounds exactly like Escape Velocity for the Mac. It kind of is. Uh, Escape Velocity was such a good game, and I can't really go into it because it's it's just good. It's too extreme? It's just too extreme. It was a lot of fun. I just had to quit because I had no time to play it because it's all I would do obsessively and it became a problem. So It is. If you want to get stuff done, you need to. You almost need to be part of like major corporations. I had an ice mining gig with me and a friend and we had five computers running with five different accounts <laughs> and we were mining ice, just the two of us, back and forth for like... I want to say it was like seven hours, and it was so much fun, even though it was so silly. You were blowing and, my you know, mind. What, what, what's funny, and this is not to knock Eve at all, it's actually more fun, at least for me, to read about the crazy shit people get up to in Eve than actually doing it, because I just don't have the time or, or energy to do this psycho stuff myself. It's like 
It's like uh, Wall Street, the movie. <laughs> about a hundred times every week, somebody is doing some Machiavellian shit, and it's just amazing. Just look up, I don't know, Eve stories on Google, and you'll just find the most despicable, sinister plots that, that people ever pull out. It's, it's impressive what you can get away with in that game, because <clears throat> technically nothing is off limits. Yeah, it, it's, mean, a, they... it's a libertarian paradise. <laughs> If you can figure out a way to do it, it can be done. Pirating, sure. Potting, sure. Stealing, sure. Whatever. They have ways to make it, you know, to make it legal, quote unquote. I mean, there's epic, like, corporation wars. So you'll be, like, getting out of your spaceship, and all of a sudden you'll see, like, 20 different spaceships battling, and you're like, oh crap, oh crap, you know, and you don't want your home to be destroyed and get lost in the crossfire because someone missed targeted you yet. Yeah, I just turned my trailer right around. <laughs> when I see the trailers fighting, I just turn around and I'm like, God damn it. Like, that's but there's also, there's double agents and triples uh, oh, agents. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. So, so wait, so, so if you can figure out a way to pirate, if you can figure out a way to steal, it just, just happens. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. yeah. Now, what the hell is potting? Okay. When you are in your spaceship, uh -huh. you are your spaceship gets destroyed. You are not floating around in space. You are floating around in a little pod. It's like a little egg. Oh, okay. And that and then that egg has like no hit points. So if you're with pirates, they'll destroy your ship and some of them will be nice and will destroy your pod. Sometimes they'll hold your pod ransom because if you're a character, you might have really expensive cybernetics, you might have uh, several million skill points trained up. So if they destroy your pod and say you don't have an updated clone or you've spent several million ISK <laughs> on cybernetics, that's all gone. It's that's absurd. Destroyed. So oh, it's yeah, yeah, so it's it's pretty impressive. So basically if you get quote unquote potted, they're basically like ridiculously fucking you well, over. Screw the Mass Effect movie, I want an Eve movie. That sounds crazy. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Well, um, X, you wanted to get a little socially conscious. I did, this, right? I did. So, so I've been, I've been, we're in Florida. And, and right next to Florida is the whole Gulf of Mexico thing. And, and the, the oil is hitting our shores, <clears throat> and uh, fucking Republicans have damned our beautiful state once again. And I'm actually looking at, like. What happened? Okay, so. <laughs> really? Spill. Really? No, it's not even a spill. Okay, so one of um, uh, BP's wells kind of broke. And so oil is is fuming. You actually don't know about this, do it's you? It's fuming into the... I think there was a penny arcade about it. There was. I thought it was a video game. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let's... Every, okay, okay. Mike, assume that right, I Mike, I'm just going to break this down for you real quick. <laughs> Right, off the coast of Sweden, which, as you know, is in the Gulf of Mexico. Yes, yes, I'm paying attention This now. pipe exploded, and now all this evil oil is pumping out into the water. Oh, and it's like a water version of the monster it's, from Ferngully. Yeah, it's just like it's just like uh, Pirates of Dark Water, only in the Gulf of Mexico. <gasps> You've got to find the gems. Now, I think, I think, in order Don't to... Don't bring Needler with you, he's an asshole. <laughs> I think what Obama needs to do, what he needs to do, mm -hmm. is to proclaim this a zone. Yeah. The, oh, the Gulf of Mexico. He needs to proclaim it an oil ocean zone. I see. And he needs to set up a task force of a duo uh -huh. 
and he needs to scatter rings throughout the oil ocean zone. I think I know. I'm following you. And he needs to send none other than the best of the best when it comes to fighting against environmental corruption. Yeah. He needs to send Sonic the Hedgehog. That's right. But he can't go underwater. He can't. He just sinks like a rock, and then he moves really slow, and that scary music plays. And oh, wait, oh, wait. Bubble. There's air bubbles down there. I don't think there is. There are oil <laughs> bubbles. Yeah, there's definitely oil bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I bring this up because the next track is called Oil Spill. <laughs> it's uh, it's by Analog, and it's from the so- uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 tribute album that OC Remix put together. And it's pretty awesome. Man, I just don't pay attention to current events. I can't believe it, they're, I, they're boring. In all, in all seriousness, if you have the opportunity to do anything to uh, support the situation being taken care of and for environmental disasters such as this to be, you know, a, to have the corporations be accountable, take those steps. This shit needs to end.
Mars is the next logical step in our space program. It's the challenge that's been staring us in the face for the past 30 years. It has water, it has carbon, it has a 24-hour day, it has geothermal energy. Mars is a place we can settle. There is a giant rift in its surface. 5,000 kilometers long, there is a volcano as wide as Arizona. So there's the choice of life. One either grows or one decays. Grow or die. I think we should grow. Mars is a world of wonders. It has canyons, river valleys, and giant ice sheets. Mars is a world of wonders. It shouldn't be humans to Mars in 50 years. It should be humans to Mars in 10 gravity, Martian dust storms, back contamination. But these are dragons that we can take on. In our time, we have sifted the sands of Mars, established a presence there, and fulfilled a century of dreams. The Mars rovers have really captured our imaginations. They genuinely are explorers in the old-fashioned sense. If you put out a call for volunteers from the first crew to Mars, they'd be lined up coast to coast. Mars is a world of wonders. It has canyons, river valleys, and giant ice sheets. Mars is a world of wonders. It shouldn't be humans to Mars in 50 years. It should be humans to Mars in 10. What's left after you go is the good you left behind. You have to believe in hope. You have to believe in the future. The future. There are more and more people coming around to the point of view that a positive future for humanity requires human expansion to space. Mars is a world of wonders. It has canyons, river valleys, and giant ice sheets. Mars is a world of wonders. It shouldn't be humans to Mars in 50 years. It should be humans to Mars in 10. This is a world of wonders. We're at a crossroads today. We either muster the courage to go or we risk the possibility of stagnation in the kingdom. What you just listened to was Case for Mars by the amazing Symphony of Science. And I actually heard some interesting news recently. The Symphony of Science guy is actually asking around to see if there'd be interest in him touring. 
Oh yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was actually. Uh, I I didn't know if he performed live because if he does, I would love to see the Symphony of Science got Nerd Palooza personally. Oh my yes. Are you hinting or are you? Is this I'm gonna, this is just me going. I'd love to see him. Okay. This is me as a fan. This is what you do. I got advice for you, Hex. Okay. Use your electronic mail. Okay. And contact that guy and bribe him. Oh, they got mail that's electronic now. Well, it, some. So, some. Well, so, now, now I'm gonna be opening a mailbox with rubber gloves on. Yeah, you, should. you have to be very careful. <laughs> I'm scared. Those rubber gloves smell like human feces. Uh, <laughs> Gotta hate your house. <laughs> it's funny. Those are kitchen gloves. Because you've been there. You know. You know uh, the truth. <laughs> back in back in our Blackest Night Song Fight episode, we interviewed Tony Bedard about yeah, how yeah. he was going to be starting up on Green Lantern Corps, of all things. And we got the opportunity to talk with him again, where he gives us an even more in-depth look at what to expect from... Green Lantern Corps and his amazing book Rebels, and how these two incredible DC space books are going to be cross-pollinating oh. in a very sensual and uh, highly exciting way. So, once again, it's myself and Mike and Aaron Holland of A Comic Shop mm -hmm. and A Comic Show, uh, jamming it on the one with some comic book geekery. Hell yeah. To the extreme. ...with a sector of space that included Krypton, and he was high as hell the day that Krypton blew up, and he didn't do his duty because he was high on, on weed. Alan Moore whispered that in my ear at San Diego Comic-Con. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, how close are we getting that to be canonical? It's in your hands, Tony. I think, it's implied. So yeah, we can't I would really like that say story, that. Though. I would like the story of what Tomar Ray was doing when Krypton exploded. We haven't seen that? I thought we saw that. He was watching porn. Weird fish duck porn. But Tony, don't worry too much about Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> yes. You just started Green Lantern Corps. How does it feel to have your book in your hands? Uh, <laughs> or, or anything else in your hands. Oh, that's uh, no, it's it's terrific. Are you kidding? Uh, this is the biggest break I've ever had, and and uh, it's a book and characters that I've wanted to do for a long time. So now I'm just totally scared. I'm going to screw it up somehow. You've been paying dues at DC for a long time, and you've been doing a lot of great books. But uh, there's also been a lot of things that haven't worked out the way you planned, like uh, Outsiders, for example, mm -hmm. which I was really excited about your yeah. Outsiders run, and then really disappointed when that didn't come to fruition. Well, you know, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I think that Dan uh, DiDio had a certain view of that team. It was one of his favorites, and um, I wasn't going in the direction that he wanted for that team. And I understand that, and I'm okay with it. And but but yeah, when when that one got yanked from me, I thought that my days at DC were numbered. Yeah. And it's wonderful that things have turned around to the point where I'm really in, you know, big shot. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the inner circle. Uh, in fact, when I got this gig, I was telling uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Darwin Cook at one of these conventions, and, and Darwin looks at me, he's like, "Hey, you're a made man now." And I'm like, "That's it. That's the best way to put it." You know, untouchable. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I'm surely not untouchable, but it does feel like I'm really I'll in there. You. With that Batman and Outsiders, it's obvious that um, Dana Dio just had a personal fetish with that because he's writing it himself now. No, so, I mean, it no wasn't one, anything to do with you now. No you can look can... back and say, like, it wasn't me, it was him, like in a relationship. Yeah. You know, like, because he's writing it himself. No, no, so, no, no, I'm still in a relationship with Dan, so. Uh. <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I mean, it's nothing slanderous or anything, it's just that it, no one well, can do what he wanted, so yeah. he did it himself. Right. But I've been doing this More long money. enough, and, and I spent a lot of time as an editor, so I see how it works on yeah. the inside at, at companies. And, and yeah, sometimes you got a, a book where nobody 
they just know they want to put it out there and do something with the character, but they don't have a clear idea of what that is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have a really clear idea and nobody is hitting the, gotcha. the target. Yeah. And and then sometimes you got things like, for example, Rebels was something that I wanted to do and nobody else wanted to see. Um, but I managed to convince Dan that I think in the, the Legion's 50th anniversary or, or whatever it was that, you know, that was the time to do it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, get off my back. And, and it worked out beautifully. So and That's a fantastic book. Yeah, I've been loving it. I've been absolutely loving it. And I don't know why more people aren't reading it. Well, they are lately. It's been climbing. Yeah, yeah, and that's gonna. Yeah, it has been going now. On. There's two new Green Lanterns on the cover of the uh, the newest issue. I'm guessing things are gonna change. We spoke to you at MegaCon, and you hinted a little bit to how that book and Green Lantern Corps were going to end up crossing over inevitably. How soon are we gonna see that crossover? To some extent, it's starting now, and it's not so much that it's it's a particular crossover story, but more that Rebels will be defined by its relationship to Green Lantern. By that, I mean that that they're two space you know peacekeeping organizations, but they work completely different. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of like uh, you know the liberals and the conservatives, or you know the the right and the left. Rebels is justice for profit, and Vril Docs would argue that that is the best way to do it because you can always count on somebody to do the job if you're paying them yeah. for it and it's in their own self-interest to, to keep doing the job right rather than he would say that the Green Lanterns aspire to whatever the, the, the blue guys, you know, the Guardians of the Universe want and, yeah. and who knows what it is they're trying to impose on you. Right. It's kind of like, you know, Washington coming down and, and getting in your life and trying to tell you how to, how to do things when you'd really rather have your local government, you know, that sort of stuff. When you said that today, it really clicked and that's how I'm going to be pitching it to people from here on out because that's so awesome yeah. that Real Docs is uh, for profit. He gets contracts in Vega to enforce their laws. And then uh, Salik comes along and said, No, you're beholden to us. We're the guardians of the, the universe, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, These guys are out of touch. They're way over there. They're not local. They don't understand you. They right. don't understand this. They don't. So basically, Viral Docs is like a conservative that wants to have the federal government off their back so they can make more money. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Like, I don't know when that... that and it's a valid argument. Mind, but he must have been watching Glenn Beck or something. I watched <laughs> way too much news, let me tell you. <laughs> and it clicked, and he's like, man, I could take things Glenn Beck said and put them in Viral Docs' mouth, <laughs> and, and it would be awesome. As readers, I think we, we all just naturally assume that the Green Lanterns have a right to go out there and, and, and do yeah. the right thing. Nobody ever questions that they're doing the right thing, but there is another point of view on it. Self-determination, yeah. you know, states' rights. <laughs> exactly. Green Lantern rookies that we met in the new issue of Rebels, what struck me about them was how ugly they are. They're just, they're both, <laughs> they both just have these, like, Bulldog faces, which I think is great because oh, they bulldogs. No bulldog, <laughs> but maybe that one that's a chick. Yeah, she's a female scion, and there's actually a whole story to that too, because we've never seen a female scion oh. before. And it's because they keep them locked away, basically. They they want to keep a few for breeding purposes, and that's pretty much it. So women aren't treated so well in, in scion society. She's got an axe to grind over that. I need to take down my blog where I criticized him for not being beholden to continuity where there's no female scion. I just assumed he didn't know that. <laughs> you take that blog down. It's full of hate. But but yeah yeah, they, neither one of these. Uh, rookies is going to win a beauty contest but they're also <laughs> from established Vegas system yeah. races the Vegas system is terrific I mean it's kind of off on its own and not tied into earth and that might be a problem for some readers but I love it it's like the Middle East of space or something there's just all kinds of neat stuff and potential trouble there all cool. the time so you've been digging through the sort of archives finding things out about the Vegas system mm-hmm. how much of it is uh, stuff you knew as just a comic book reader and then how does one in the industry 
go about finding out all this new material about the Vega system? Uh, two words, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Same way as uh, every other jack-off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is, though, tied into a lot of different things. The Omega Men, the original LEGION series, you know, Starfire and a lot of uh, Teen Titans stuff ties back in there. So it's an important piece of real estate. And it was interesting, too, that up until just recently, the Green Lanterns weren't allowed to go in there. But now that Jeff opened it up, first I was afraid, oh, no, this one corner of space that I thought I had to myself, I don't anymore. But it actually just created more story potential. That's awesome. I mean, you just mentioned Starfire and the mm -hmm. Titans. I gotta say, awesome fucking choice. Yeah, her addition to uh, Rebels was awesome. So I really good. love her uh, Mons Pubis logo. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know. Captain yeah. <laughs> she, she needed something so people wouldn't stare at her tits all the time, yeah, I guess. So. But uh, now that, that's a funny one because some of these characters are ones that I've lobbied for, you yeah. know. Like, like for example, I've been dying to get Lobo in there since the beginning and right. they wouldn't let me have him. But finally, it looks like I, I get to play with Lobo. But there are other ones, like, you know, out of the blue, they called me up and said, Look, uh, Starfire's available. You want her? Like, oh, yeah, shit. you yeah. know. I'll take every unused space character that you know that I can get my hands I on. You get to play with a lot of uh, really neat eclectic characters from the DC universe. Is there any one book or title or concept at DC or Marvel that you wish would come back that's really an oddball? I always tell people that I'd love to do Aquaman. And weirdly, I don't have the Aquaman epic in my head. I just like that character. And you know, and if the opportunity was there, I'm pretty sure I could come up with something for him. But yeah, that's a character that I have a lot of love for. There's weird ones like Monel. I've always loved it. And, and it's been great to see him back but he's got to have the puffy sleeves as far as I'm concerned <laughs> you know I'm a sucker for puffy sleeve characters like Luke Cage in that big yellow shirt over at Marvel my stock answer was always Captain America and Iron Man before they became interesting in the last few years yeah, you yeah. know they've actually been done better than I could have you had an interesting run at Marvel actually you're responsible for one of my favorite X-Men miniseries there was a rogue series that was treading a lot of water for about six issues but then you stepped in and, oh, wow. and made Rogue an awesome character for the first time in about a decade and I only realized recently that, that that was you because I was just kind of bumbling through uh -huh. X-Men comics at the time. I was about to drop that book, then your run came on, which, which was neat because Rogue lost her Miss Marvel powers and you gave her Sunfire's powers, mm -hmm. which seemed like a really dramatic step because Sunfire had his legs ripped off or something. And yeah. How did you get the approval on such a major change like that in a, in a miniseries? Of all just, I just worked it out with Mike Martz, who was editing it, and, and where we were going with that is we were going to make Sunfire into the Age of Apocalypse version of him, mm -hmm. and, and I don't even know if Rogue kept his power set for very long or she what happened there bit. when the Age of Apocalypse thing came around I think it was in Milligan's run yeah she still, she had, still had them hmm. but I think she lost them by the end of it or something I'm yeah. really not even sure what's happening with her these days she's gone back in a I don't know weirdy mode she might as well be written by Chris Claremont at this point <laughs> <laughs> again yeah I always loved her though and it, that's also a, another strange thing is it seems like I always wind up with either a space book or a, uh, a girl book or at least it, it tends to work out best for me if it's one of those two options yeah. well how Supergirl work out for you, which is kind of both things, Facebook and... Well, and I only got, you know, a couple of issues there. Maybe I think it was three. Um, they already had the, the next regular writer lined up. I did Supergirl and Legion, too, but I, I got to do a few issues of Supergirl, and that was okay. fun. Uh, mostly because Renato Guedes was the artist on it, and yeah. I love his stuff, man. Yeah. He drew a terrific Supergirl. She looked like a real person, not like she had ribs removed or something. But I, I don't know. I guess it's my inner teenage girl. You, uh, you did uh, the Blackest Night Catwoman. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. 
And it had like three or four different artists on it, and yeah. somehow it still worked. You know, the way that I got this Green Lantern gig actually was because I could see that Rebels was not long for this world if I didn't do something to, to right. bump it. And I knew that Jeff had this uh, Blackest Night thing coming up, and it made sense to tie in with that. It was a space yeah. cosmic kind of thing, you know. So I, I reached out to him and, and asked, and he was real gracious about letting me play along. And then it turned out that my tie-in, uh, Rebels 10, was, it really worked. He loved yeah. it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they were asking if I could help out on a few other things that were running late on Blackest awesome. Night. And it just kind of snowballed from there. But that was the, the funniest thing. is like the, the Catwoman issue came to me really late. I think yeah. we only had like a... a weeks to throw it together oh, wow. and it's and it still worked i really enjoyed it before it had been announced that you were going to be doing uh green lantern Corps, and but you had hinted to us that you were going to be getting possibly some big project coming up i was like i wonder if he's going to be reviving catwoman and then yeah i was like no this is bigger than catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is green lantern now, Corps. you did the catwoman blackest night and you also were in the process of adding catwoman to the roster for outsiders right which was what led me to the series because i follow that character pretty strongly and both those things are just really great representations of Catwoman. Do you have an affinity for that character? Would you like to work with that character again? Yeah, sure. And in fact, I've got um, an issue of, uh, of Gotham Sirens, I think, that just came out. Um, another, another case where I think they were getting into a little deadline trouble, and uh, I was happy to help. And so I've got a two-parter there and another issue on the way. And, you know, anytime they want to ask me to help on that, I'm, I'm more than happy to. I don't know what it is. I, I like writing female characters. What can we expect coming up in Rebels? We have a, a three-part story um, in which Vril Dox has his showdown with Brainiac, his dad, and also Vril's son, Lyril, is in there. So, so it's called one, the, two, and three? Uh, yeah, one, two, and three. Uh, Brainiac's one, two, and three. The, uh, the Sons of Brainiac is what it's called. That's awesome. And that's going to take place on Kolu, um, their homeworld. And uh, I already have the, the first issue just about all drawn and really coming together nicely. We have a few other ideas beyond that, but uh, we'll be seeing those Green Lanterns again. They're going to get their badge, and uh, and in that, we'll also clearly delineate Grill Docs' organization from the Green Lanterns. And we might even make R-E-B-E-L-S mean something yeah. uh, through the course of that story. Yeah. 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 We were talking about this outside. Do you want to go more into that? Because uh... I'm going to save the the okay. exact meaning uh, as okay. a surprise, but it it is part of this whole thing of of setting them as the the counterweight yeah. to to the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Well, I think what we were talking about was way cool, so I'll yeah. save it for for the listeners. But no, I mean the book's been called that for the whole time it's been out, but there's never been a real reason to it. Right. How long have you known what it was going to stand for? Oh, not long at all. I, I got to confess, I, I never wanted it to be called Rebels. I wanted it to be L-E-G-I-O-N, like the series that we were... Re- off of. Yeah, but for one reason or another, it was never the right thing to do, mostly having to do with the cancellation and relaunch of Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. You know, when we launched, they didn't want us dragged down by the cancellation of Legion, mm-hmm. and then later it was like they were going to revamp it, and so I couldn't, I couldn't change my title. Gotcha. You know, I fought it for long enough, but one of the things they're trying to do right now at, at DC is to make sure that all the books make sense at first glance, in a way, if you understand, like, yeah. to yeah. boil it down to its essence, so that you kind of get it when you look at the book, you know, and there's certain books out there that if you're not really into comics, there's nothing going to c- compel you to pick it up, right. or you just don't get the idea, so we'll make Rebels mean something, and... That's cool. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more about Green Lantern. I just read the issue, I fucking loved it, and, uh... We see Gambit make a uh, power battery. Yeah. 
That was pretty epic. That was fucking cool. That was shown, I think, the, the whole forging of the batteries uh, was shown in one panel that, that Jerry Ordway drew in, uh, in one of these tales of the, of the Sinestro Corps. Or I, you know, one of those. Yeah, I can't even remember which story it was, but it was, it was a Jerry Ordway one. And that's what we used uh, for reference for the foundry where the uh-huh. Guardians made those things. And in fact, the, that old school look to Ganthet's battery was directly from that. You know? Gotcha. But that idea was also uh, came from Jeff when we were talking... Um, he said, when, when Ganthet becomes a Green Lantern, show him make his own ring and his own battery and, and show that it's really hard. That, you know, he's got blood coming out of his ears by the time it's done. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's a joy working with that guy because he sets a really good creative direction. He's got a lot of great input, but I, ne- I never feel like he's got his hand up my back or something. Right. You know, he really wants Pete and myself to own our, our books creatively. That's cool. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, when when I found out that they made him chief creative officer, I guess the the new mm-hmm. position. Yeah, it just made so much sense. I was really glad because he was that anyway. It he was well setting the everyone. tone. I mean, when every, when anyone starts talking smack about the Green Lantern movie, I'm like, ah ah ah. Mm-hmm. Jeff yeah. Johns is on the job. Yeah, he's gonna make it okay. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a pretty remarkable guy. You pick you pick up Green Lantern Corps, and you've got John Stewart, and you've got Ganthet. Mm-hmm. Was it affirmative action? Making uh, you have a black man and a blue man join the group, blue man group. (laughs) What have you done for the brown man lately? (laughs) It's just how things kind of uh, split up. Mostly I think it was determined by Pete starting his new book, uh, Emerald Warriors, Uh and the, the characters that Pete took are the ones that he has most affinity for. You can just tell he really fits, uh, you know, Guy Gardner and Kilowog, that, yeah. and um, he just has their voices down he, so got, well. He's got them, and he's got Aresia, and he's got... Um, yeah, I believe he'll have Sodam Yat in there, Sodam Yat. and Isamot Cole Isamot, and Vathsarn. Isamot, which is Tomasi backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, they, now here's another funny thing about working on Green Lantern. When we get on these uh, phone conversations, uh, you know, back and forth trying to plan out stories, everybody pronounces the names differently. Yeah, Okay. that's funny. Yeah, like I just thought for sure that Chaselon was Chaselon, but they they call him Chaselon. Huh. Uh, ta- uh, Pete calls uh, Isamot Isamot. And there's a Salak. Salak, 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 yeah. you know. I see two A's and I think Salak. Like, yeah. It's a long A. And I call him Salak, so... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll get all this sorted out in the film, and that'll just be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hadn't thought it, about that. Once it's in film, it's, that's it. Except for Mixelplick and Mixia Spitlick. But. And, and Ra's al Ghul and Ra's al Ghul. Like, yeah. They right. kind of fucked that up for everybody. Yeah. Well, what, what do you guys go with? I go with Ra's. I go with Ra's. I go with Ra's. And I, and I go with Mixia Spitlick. Mixia Spitlick. Yeah, and yeah. I got that from John Byrne when he sounded it out phonetically yes. back in the day. Yes. I really love that scene in the Superman animated series where he's like spelling it out to Superman and he's like got a blender and then like a yes album and, uh, huh. and then he spits on Superman and then he licks him. Yeah. Nice. And makes you a spit lick. So yeah. But then you've got Alex Ross who's like, no, it's Mixelplick because of the Super Friends show. What? Yeah. He loves the Super and Friends on show. And uh, on the commentary, like Tim and Dean go off on him about that. <laughs> but, yeah. Boy, this really is a nerdy show. Isn't it? <laughs> A, a bit, a bit. Um, it's funny, all these books, as readers, you have your version of mm-hmm. of a certain title or something. We all have our, our Legion or our X-Men, you know. And, uh, and I think I started reading Green Lantern back when it was Green Lantern Corps, when Joe Staten was drawing right. it, and, and uh, I forget who was, uh, it might have been Englehart writing it. 
And I really liked John back then. He was a very different character yeah. than he is now. He, and he was with Cat Matui. I don't See, know. I call her Cat Matui. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know why. Well, there we go. Yeah. But I really got to like him back then. Yeah. And, and it, he he deserves a, a little love here. Yeah, I really liked the Cosmic Odyssey story mm -hmm. um, with him. And, for, and I always thought he was a good character, especially because of that. And then I just keep seeing him shuffled aside and put on Justice League and then mm -hmm. shuffled away from that and constantly moved around. And, and then, like, Jeff Johns was like, oh, he's in deep cover. He's in deep cover, and then he shows up once, and it was pretty badass when he showed up. Well, here's the thing: we got to get that man laid, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm still not sure with who or you right. know or exactly when, but it would be nice to, for him to get a little action. What was the end result with that villain who got all star sapphire during Black? Oh Night? yeah, yeah, fatality. Fatality. Yeah. I think she um, still has a big clitoral boner for him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might follow up on that, but of course it, it can't be obvious. Yeah, right. You know, there'll have to be a twist to it somehow. She's gonna rape him. He's gonna be really scarred. Yeah, she's going to rape him with yeah, the clitoral boner. It's very easy. I mean, you just need like a, a roofie and a Viagra. Roofie and a Viagra. Roofie and Viagra. Well, if you want to But you want to not mix up who gets which one, No, you right? give them both to him, and then the female can rape him. Unless she's got an enlarged oh. clitoris, then she can actually just stick that in his ass. Wow, this is spinning <laughs> well, I mean, out of control. Yeah, she, wants to, she wants to have options. I mean, you Right, know, yeah, I mean, you got to have options. You if have you're options. going, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. You know, if you're going to do the roofie, throw the Viagra in too. If you're going to rape a dude. Oh, my God. Which of the... <laughs> Other cores right? are you most interested in exploring? Uh, that stuff Jeff is going to be handling in, yeah. in the coming year in, in Green Lantern. And Brightest Day. And uh, yeah. My understanding is that the, the main ones from each of the um, different colored cores are on Earth now. And uh, I don't know exactly what his plans are there, so I'll be enjoying it. Of as a the reader. emotional spectrum, what, what interests you the most? Personally, love. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about love in, in my own life. And I, I think now that Star Sapphire is actually like a interesting character mm -hmm. because it was I don't I was not into Star Sapphire all of my life I was yeah, dude. so and dumb like... but now now Star Sapphire is cool and I'm like oh wow like in the whole core is... the Zamorans are creepy and I don't know if I like them or I don't like them yeah. you got that cute little blue one who brought Kyle and What's-Her-Face together yeah. And, mm, yeah and like that's okay and then you got like the creepy ones who are like no, we will confine them in our prison of love. I'm like, shit, I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah. I, oh, come on. You've dated a few people like that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. They're all parasites. Everyone wants to confine you in their prison of love. They're all parasites. Honestly, I, I'm not going to be dealing too much with, yeah. with those different parts of the spectrum. Uh, it's, it's pretty much green. Well, um, and, and white, actually, because in as much as the brightest day stuff is going to yeah. be a, a major part of things. From your first issue, we've got an awesome little little mess there that the Alpha Lanterns are still around and they're, mm -hmm. some, they're, they're broke, broke. <laughs> yeah, dude. Some, some, yeah. Like, some may write. I think that Cyborg Superman's behind that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think he's corrupted their software. Because he's like, he's all Manhunter tech. Like yeah, that's what I think. Manhunter tech. It's a five-part story, uh, the the uh, Revolt of the Alpha Lanterns. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I have a three-part story uh, about the Weaponer of Cord who originally made uh, Sinestro's yellow power ring. Like, oh, awesome. Because, cool. you know, Sinestro, after he got drummed out of the core, went to Cord and yeah. had them make up uh, his ring for him. And, you know, it's all part of his, his origin. But I just thought, what if there was one dude amongst the Weaponers of Cord yeah. who was really good at this stuff, you know, who, yeah. who was special somehow? And... That guy would have thought he was, you know, the hero of his people, really looked up to and everything, 
but it's been a Force 10 shitstorm on Cord ever since Sinestro came there, if you think about yeah. it. That was nothing but bad news for them, because the Sinestro Corps has wiped them out, the Anti-Monitor has, uh, you know, it's not a good place to be. Yeah. So so he, he thought he was, you know, top dog over there, and wound up being the ultimate outcast amongst, you know, the, the Cordians. And now he wants his revenge. He wants to get back at Sinestro, who he blames for bringing all this crap down on him, you know? Life was pretty sweet before Sinestro showed up. So are, so, are we going to get some Sinestro coming up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so, you know, he... Because he has Sinestro's daughter in the book. He goes to to Korrigar, um, uh, the Weaponer does, to get whoever Sinestro's successor is. Uh, and his reasoning is that it would be a, a slap in the face to him. It, you know, Sinestro's pride would not allow him to overlook somebody taking the Green Lantern of, of Korrigar, and he, and he would come after her. He doesn't know that she happens to be his daughter, which will, you know, oh, make it even more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then Kyle finds himself in the awful position of having to go and fetch the man who had his mother murdered, you know, his girlfriend's dad, you know, to go and, and, and save his girlfriend. And, and it should, that sounds you good. know, hilarity ensues. I mean, yeah, yeah, seriously. And then after that storyline, uh, throughout all of this, the secret deal that Ganthet and Atrocitus and, and Guy entered into in Green Lantern 53, I think it was, mm-hmm. and also in it's reflected in my first issue of Green Lantern Corps, that's going to run through all three of the, titles, the titles because it's it's leading towards the next big bad deal, you know, the next oh, big threat that's going to awesome. rear up. I think Green Lantern Corps and Green Lantern have marched in lockstep for a couple of years now with the stuff they've been doing, yeah. and we wanted to let the three books sort of have their own personality, but they're all going to come back together at that point to deal with with the big new threat. That's awesome. I love everything you just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. Of course, that's just a just a, the taste of that that timeline that he gave us is just a, a, a taste of all the amazing things that we're going to have in store for us. And I, for one, what's it taste so like? Excited. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It t- <laughs> it tastes like mostly delicious lime flavors, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, a hint of of watermelon pink. And right. then the, the white mystery flavor. But none of those other colored flavors. The white one was mango. Was oh, mango? Was mango? I knew it was yeah. familiar. Huh. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> we learn something new every day. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. What's next, Hex? Uh, this is actually something you found for us. Oh, yeah. This was a uh, girl comic? Yeah, it's a... It's a rap called Girl Comics. It's by a guy named Adam Warrock. His Not name, a girl. His name, of course, uh, very appropriate to this episode. Weirdly enough, Adam Warrock, you don't have any amazing songs about Marvel's cosmic space people that I could find anyway. Do something about it, dude. Totally yeah. would have played it. Instead, we're playing your awesome Girl Comics song where you all the cool ladies of the superhero world, and, uh, and I, I dig this track. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I dig females in comics. That's why I regularly read yeah. uh, Gotham City Sirens. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't say they need their own thing or like Marvel's doing with that whole girl comic thing. Right, and I really enjoy girl comics. Everyone involved with it are extremely talented and uh, the kind of woman who they've... I don't know if she's behind the concept exactly, but she's definitely a driving force in these comics. Colleen Coover is an incredible artist. I love her work. I prefer something like Gotham City Sirens where they're making something like this that is natural, where it's showcasing these three strong females. <laughs> I actually think Gotham City Sirens, and I do love the book, but I actually think Gotham City Sirens is is like kind of 
needlessly gendered most of the time. Think so? Yeah, it's yeah. total fat it, material. It's <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's Paul Dini having a complete boner, and I'm okay with that. But it's a little, it's a little showy. I don't. There's no goddamn reason that Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn would hang out. They hate each other. There's and every I, reason, and it. I I can't even finish the joke. Twelve I, I inches of reasons, huh, Brian? Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, enjoy Comic Girl. Girl comic. Girl it's, comics. It's twelve inches because Brian and I are going tip to tip. Oh. <laughs> Four and eight. <laughs> I hope y'all enjoy it. That's the way we do it. Had a war rock. Girl, I know it ain't easy as Marvel or DC. Page after page got you feeling so queasy. Cause you wanna be on the scene in the best of our eyes. Meanwhile, guys are staring at your resting and thighs. Let's we describe, realize I got more discerning taste. Cause a woman should be measured by way more than a waistline. The way you help me stay high, go ask Peter Parker if Mary Jane is all about the ass in the face. Hell no, and baby, ask me if you're feeling so nasty. If that mirror image got you straight reacting like Kathy. Cause every day of the week, it's like I love your mystique. And every outfit you're wearing, I'm still feeling as Randy. So look and see, your voodoo straight up ruining me. You're my jubilee, just look at what it's doing to me. And I'm loving the way you always steady me what you say. And when the world knocks you down, you rise up like Jean Grey. So all the ladies in the house, if you're ready to rock. Because I'm down to represent whether they're ready or not. Girl, come that's what we about, yeah. To all the ladies in the place with style and grace, I hope the song's gonna help you bring a smile to your face. Girl, comics, that's what it's about, yeah. If it ain't about your tight dress, I'm liking your mind best. The way you got some fight left, I'm taking like five steps. Or I feel like I gotta come back. I never wanna run away because we stay connected like Gertie and old lace. And you're stronger than she, Hulk, hour after hour. World. I often wonder, woman, if they're feeling your power, girl. And if they miss your marbles, then it's their Shining like Emma Frost But even withered eyes Wouldn't miss you like Kitty Pride. Go ahead and wear whatever Like Miss Selena Kyle You're my steady Judge Anderson Magic like all Satanist Done my shooting star girl And shining bright The way that satin spun Mother lover Like Miss Jessica Jones And no matter how the storms come Keep wrecking your home You build it up again And plant tulips all in a row And even in the blackest night You're always giving me hope Don't you know Ladies in the house yeah. you ready to rock Because I'm down to represent Whether they're ready or not Girl comics That's what we about Gentlemen, we're mostly the ladies. Just a song to say it if we ain't been saying it lately. You're the better half to all those men in tights who ain't treating they women right. Hank Pimp and I and you lately. And baby, you ain't gotta look like X23, dressed in spandex just to look sexy to me. Or built like Lady Death, but tarted up every way it gets tired. Some I'd rather just chill and watch TV. See, I'm loving every pepper pot. That's whether she's an executive assistant or she's steady your boss. Yo, Rosie the Riveter, do when it win or lose. Cause every night, believe I cook big barter her dinner too. And I got nothing against most of you fans Who's mostly men demanding Karen star and hot pants But there's room up in the treehouse for girls and dudes And comics should keep reflecting a positive attitude To all the ladies in the house if you're ready to rock Because I'm down to represent whether they're ready or not Girl comics, that's what we about, yeah To all the ladies in the place with style and grace I hope this song's gonna help you bring a smile to your face Girl comics, that's what it's about, yeah <laughs> to the ladies.
Billy D. Williams, and you're listening to the Nerdy Show. by Devo, who of course I talked about earlier, guest starring on Futurama. The reason we played some Devo tonight is not just Futurama related, because that was an accident we were even talking about that, but uh, it's because next week, uh, while we're in L.A. for E3, and there isn't going to be a Nerdy Show episode, there's just going to be a bunch of kick-ass Nerdy Show video cast episodes, vidcasts. Um, the Devo album is coming out, the first Devo album in 20 years. Um, so um, I, think, I think you know we're all going to buy that, obviously. <laughs> um, as you know, as I was uh, joking with uh, Tony Bedard in the interview, when anybody tra- tries to trash talk the Green Lantern film, I always say, "Uh, uh, 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 
Jeff yeah. Johns is in charge. It's all okay. Right. Well, the, uh, June 2nd, very, very recently, Joe Quesada, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics, was likewise appointed a chief creative officer uh, position for Marvel mm -hmm. Entertainment. The yep. exact same wording of the exact same kind of uh, position that Jeff Johns has. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's it, great. Which, it's very exciting. That's, that's, that's great. That bodes well for Marvel Studios uh, and their films. Marvel Studios is already running themselves really well, which is why DC made that position in the first place. Yeah. But this just cements the, the quality that we can expect from them. Yeah. Now, speaking of the Green Lantern film... Right, right, right. Recently... A one-page summary of the film's plot was released. It is oh. completely legit. Really? I'm going to read this to you now. Or read it. Read it to me. In an, in an appropriately cosmic voice. <clears throat> Bringing the enduringly popular superhero the, to the big screen for the first time, Green Lantern stars Ryan Reynolds as the title role under the direction of Martin Campbell, who directed Casino Royale. Here's the summary. In a universe as vast as it is mysterious, a small but powerful force has existed for centuries. Protectors of peace and justice, they are called the Green Lantern Corps, a brotherhood of warriors sworn to keep intergalactic order. Each Green Lantern wears a ring that grants him superpowers. But when a new enemy called Parallax threatens to destroy the balance and the power in the universe, their fate and the fate of Earth lie in the hands of their newest recruit, the first human ever selected, Al Jordan. Al is a gifted and cocky test pilot, but the Green Lanterns have little respect for humans who have never harnessed the infinite power of the ring before. But Hal is clearly missing the piece to the puzzle, and along with his determination and willpower, he has one thing no member of the Corps has ever had. Sex. <laughs> they're all virgins. Space virgins. Oh, disgusting. So they're Jedi? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> With the encouragement of fellow pilot and childhood sweetheart, Carol Ferris, played by Blake Lively, if you know what I mean. Okay, what's next? <laughs> if Hal can quickly master his new powers and find the courage to overcome his fears, he may prove not to prove to not only be the key to defeating Parallax, he will become the greatest Green Lantern of all. So, of course, what's awesome about that is Parallax is the villain. That's a big bomb. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not Sinestro, as you normally see. I mean, it might be, because because here's, here's the other part to this. It goes on to, to list um, actors and characters who they play, and I was actually surprised by a lot of people on this list. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is Carol Ferris. Peter Sarsgaard is playing Hector Hammond. Yeah. Huh. What's he doing in there? That's cool. Mark Strong is Sinestro, which they, what they, which they say, um, Jordan's powerful mentor in the Green Lantern Corps. Um, cool. So, so, so he's pre-Yellow uh, Lantern. I mean, Yellow what Lantern. if what if Sinestro and Hector Hammond are in this movie much like they are in the Secret Origins comic book for yeah. Green Lantern, but then they don't become villains till the end or after. That's what I'm envisioning. That volume. Yeah. And so the villain... Is actually parallax. Yeah, that's cool. And and maybe they're my my thought is they're probably going to lead the unknowing audience along mm -hmm. with like Sinestro is Hal's mentor. He's like Obi Wan Kenobi. Yay yay yay! Pay yeah. no movie. attention to the name, yes. Yes. <laughs> which is sinister. With Don't mind that it. he looks like Vincent Price. Yes. <laughs> ignore ignore me. And. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, uh, an interesting, an interesting cast member is uh, Takia uh, Watiti. Um, <laughs> that's the uh, the guy who plays the, sh the pawn shop keeper in Fly the Concords. Is in the film as flight navigator Tom Kalmaku, Hal's good friend and confidant. I'm not sure if that's a comic book character. Pie face? Is that pie face? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, there you go. That's who's playing him. Oh, and here's here's another here's another fucking bombshell, which might point to DC movies having as much integrity as the Marvel ones do right now. Academy Award nominee Angela Bassett as enigmatic government scientist Amanda Waller. Oh hell! And uh, another weird <laughs> weird actor is Tim Robbins is actually in this. Is Hector Hammond's dad, the senator? What? What? Yeah. So that's going to be important somehow too. You, Tim Robbins. You don't just throw. Yeah, Tim Robbins you don't just reason. throw Tim Robbins around that's unless you're cool. in a John Cusack film. So the film's currently scheduled yeah, to be. It's going to be 3D and 2D, and it's going to come out on about almost a year from now, June 17th next year. I will definitely see it in 2D, and then <laughs> maybe see it in 3D. And what we got now, kids, is uh, we have an interview with Kirby Crackle. The amazing uh, comic book rock group from Seattle. Really the only comic book rock group. I mean, there are many who dabble, but these gentlemen, they're, 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 they're to it. They're to the core. They're amazing, and they're playing the convention scene. This weekend, they're coming back from Heroes Con before our interview, so it's... And at C2E2, Joe Quesada said, Grr crackle! Grr crackle! <laughs> Something like that. So, here yo. Enjoy! With us, we have Kirby Crackle. The comic the. book rock band. Yeah, there's not enough. Do you no. guys have the not market cornered? Oh, names, names. We need names and, and dates. Who are you? I'm Jim Delmonacos, and today is June 8th. And then who's the other one? My name is Kyle Stevens. I was born in a teepee. On October 25th, 1911. That's beautiful. You're extremely old, and you're also a Libra. Hey. Is this, that's the I'm same year that uh, Red Dead Redemption takes place in. Oh, really? Oh, I've been playing that a lot lately. I'm into that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> He's into it because that's basically uh, autobiographical. Yeah, well, it must be. Man, you must have gotten yeah, got... your ass kicked by cougars all the time. Suddenly. I do. I got big scars across my face, but those are mostly from wiffle ball accidents. <laughs> <laughs> that plastic cuts deep. Guys, Most tell us the Kirby Crackle origin story. I own a comic book store, and uh, Kyle had uh, Kyle was a customer, and we became friends. And he's a lifelong nerd and musician, and I'm a lifelong nerd. And we started talking about the distinct lack of cool comic book rock songs, and we're like, we should totally try to do that ourselves. And that's the compressed origin of Kirby Crackle. So you have a comic book store? Yeah, I actually own three. Yeah? Uh, they're all called the Comic Stop. Have you heard of a, a comic shop? Yes, in Florida. That's yeah. us. I'm Mike from those annoying videos. <laughs> nice to E meet you. Yeah. Or not E, I guess. It's the phone. Yeah, so, you know. well, it's kind of E for me. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's E for everyone. Yeah. That's his orientation. As is their second album. It's called E for Everybody. Our first album is self-titled, Original Flavor. Our second album is Eat For Everyone, which is Spicy Chicken. And we haven't decided. We think album number three uh, is probably Teriyaki Glaze, but probably. we'll figure it out. So where do you guys grab your inspiration from? Because it, it's more than just, like, concept matter. Because, yeah, you get the idea of, hey, let's do a song about Uatu, but, like, musically, where do you get your inspiration? Well, I was raised on a steady diet of Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, Foo Fighters, and R. Kelly throughout my youth. <laughs> so we like to think, you know, for example, Can I Watch You, the Watcher song. That's about the Watcher just now saying, baby, I want to watch you, but I'll also make you zucchini souffle if you want me to. It's not a forced issue thing. <laughs> Basically, we try to put ourselves in the heads of the characters and wonder what it would sound like via bar chord and cymbals killing your ear cilia. 
beautiful combo. It's worked out really well. I mean, whenever it in the last year that it's come up that we've had a comic-themed episode, which has been pretty fucking frequently, and we're always hurting for music about these characters. We played uh, Ring Capacity more than once, and we try our best not to play a song over and over again, but that's one song where we really like it. We restrained ourselves, even though this is a cosmic episode, and even though we're talking about Green Lantern, we have not played it. Hey, we will whore ourselves via that song as long as you let us. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we were actually just came back from Heroes Con, and we did a uh, kind of a VH1 storytellers panel at the show, which was a lot of fun, where we got to talk about where our songs came from and inspirations. And we were talking about how Ring Capacity was one of those songs that like, it's the least time to write. It just like kind of flowed right out of us. Well, <laughs> since this is our cosmic episode, and obviously you guys have the Green Lantern angle covered, well, who else are you into, cosmic comic-wise? Going old school, like, I was always a fan of all the different heralds of Galactus. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of them, it's just the Jack Kirby design on so many of them. I think specifically, my favorite would be, like, Ronan the Accuser. He's a badass. Because you're a judger. <laughs> I'm a big Kirby guy. Just design-wise, I really love the look of those guys. I also got to be a big Thanos fan during all the Infinity stuff that happened. Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War. Anything that Ron Lamb would draw with a gauntlet and some gems, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you mentioned that you're a big Kirby guy, so I take it that's where the name Kirby Crackle comes from then. Yeah, the name Kirby Crackle, uh, actually a friend of ours came up with it when I first started reading comics, so speaking strictly for myself, I read uh, Reprint, four number one. And that was actually the first comic I ever read. And that's where my kind of obsession with A, comic books, and B, Kirby all started out. Hmm. So where's the crackle come from? Cereal? No, it's Uh, those dots that come out of all the energy and stuff. Those is dots. Those is crackle. No, it's the energy crackling. Ah. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Like when the dots have an orange color behind them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, every time he drew energy, whether it was the stuff Silver Surfer was, you know, using, it was a lot of the power cosmic kind of stuff. That right. was uh, the crackle. And it's also like a sound, right? It's like you crank that shit to 11, right? And that's the crackle coming out, you know what I mean? <laughs> You guys are going all over the place. You were at Heroes Con. You were at C2E2 with uh, Joe Casado. Introduced you? Yeah, he played with us actually on stage. He's an awesome guitar player, and he uh, has been a performing musician for years. Last year when we debuted the album, or debut album, uh, we stopped by the Marvel offices with a pack of CDs and unloaded them to the people we knew and just handed out to everyone in the office. And we got to meet Joe, and he said he'd give it a listen to it. And that afternoon, he Twittered about it, which was kind of a real nice jump for us with con season of the year. All year, people come up saying, hey, Joe told me to go see you guys, which he did in New York. And we just kind of kept that relationship up and got to know each other better. And we invited him to come perform on stage with us at Emerald City Comic Con. So he came to the practice space and rocked out, told us some stories from his performing days. And uh, we threw down live concert style. It was really fun. And then next month, you guys will be playing at Nerdapalooza. We will. We're very excited about that. Yeah, we're bringing uh, the KK acoustic style. But not, I'm not the KKK, though. No, no, Good. just KK. No, like the KK slider, you know? Like a hamburger made of white dog. Yeah, a little little white dog hamburger <laughs> who appears every Saturday night at 8 p.m. promptly in the basement of the museum. Is that like the little kid that giggles out in my front yard at 2 in the morning and I go out and he whistles and runs away? What is it we're talking about right now? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds eerie. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're really excited to, to head on out. We've been doing so many shows, but we've done uh, anything down in Florida, so we're, we're pretty jazzed to actually finally make our way cross-country, although we get to have the crazy experience of flying all the way down to Florida, flying back to Seattle, and then like a day and a half later, flying down to San Diego for the five-day grind that is the San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. We're really excited to go to Nerdapalooza because, uh, I mean, we don't get to play with that many nerd bands that often, so going down there and being amongst our people, it's kind of like if you were a furry and it was your first weekend out in the woods, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot like that, but instead of furries, they're nerds, but then there's also furries. Okay, either way, Jim's wearing a tail. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Boy's gonna that's get gifts. That's what I got from picking up while I was in Phoenix. There's a lot of anime kids there, so I was like, "Is that a right uh, up your butt?" Oh no, it's just a tail. All right, let's let's do this. And we don't make fun of the furries. We love them. We just laugh a lot at their expense. Okay, that's what's just make this clear. I gotta say, I worn a tail out of curiosity. Someone brought one to the shop, and I yanked it off and put it on, and it was fun. It had a nice bounce to it. When I sat down, the the tail would go right in. It was like a cushion made perfectly for my ass crack and taint, and it was a it was a comfort I wasn't used to and enjoyed. <laughs> and that you miss to this day. That, but I can't, with a clear conscience, just wear a tail around because I would be constantly explaining to people that I don't want to yiff and I don't want to scritch or whatever those weird terms mean. I don't want any of that. I just like a taint. And ass crack cushion, okay? And really, who are we to judge that? We will, don't worry. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, let me throw a quick plug. Yeah. In the current previews, we actually are listed for the first time ever. Both Kirby Crackle CDs are in previews this month for shipping in August. So really? anybody who... What page? Now, here's the thing, kids. You can, you can request your comic store now to order Kirby Crackle. And we'll tell you how. Uh, right at this very moment. There's a new Game of Thrones. Oh, oh there man. it is! Nice. That is pretty freaking awesome. Right, yeah, 445. You know what I'm saying? What's the shit that kids need to tell their comic store to? Tell them to go to page 448, and they're listed, and they're 10 bucks a pop. Get some kick-ass comic book music in your hopefully kick-ass comic book store, or take your shitty comic book store and make it kick-ass by getting music in it. I like it. I like how you think. I like cool. how you think. Congratulations. No. Yeah, we're really excited. We're really happy that, you know, talking to Diamond, even with all, like, you know, working with them for a while just because they've never really done a lot of music things, but uh, we met with Brian Campus. I'll mm -hmm. give him a shout out. He's the brand manager over at Diamond Comics, and he was like, all right, you know what? Let's give it a try. So big thanks to Brian for helping us get into previews, and thanks to all the people who are going to order it and, you know, to help it be an item where like just one more outlet for people to be able to get you know awesome nerd rock yeah man that's awesome dude that's totally awesome we actually just released a new video today of one of our favorite songs up up down down which is a song about asking a girl out at the comic book store and then the dire consequence of that foolhardy action <laughs> so, it's animated by this lady betsy and it's pretty fun uh, we just released that today and bringing all our all our cool swag down to uh to nerdapalooza as well well we'll put a link to the video on the nerdy show uh, episode page thank you so much guys we will see you soon and catch you later take a mess <laughs>
I hope you've got a health care plan. And if you don't, I understand. But I got a question for you. Does your hideout have a covered lot? And here's the hours I'm looking for. A part-time shift from noon to four. But not on Tuesdays, cause that's when I dungeon master for my friends. Do I qualify for this? Well, let me tell you what you've missed. A fired lasers from a sub one year. I blew a whole bridge up. I spent a month up on the moon. Raising rank beyond a goon. I could have gone much higher except for the fact my boss was burned up. with an amazing interview and if you enjoyed them and you want to see more of them come to Nerdapalooza assholes well I haven't seen them yet so because this interview was over the over the, Skype over Skype yeah. we don't do video Skype after the incident 
<laughs> yeah. Well, now, you've had many taste tests of Kirby Crackle in the past, such as their kick-ass Green Lantern song. Have another taste and, test. And the, and the sultry. Hmm? Oh, can I can I watch you? you with got watching. my attention. <laughs> With uh, from our thirty-four episode, the sultry uh, song. Watch the watcher. Oh yeah, and then Always the wacky uh, um, Great Lakes Adventures track. This is Henchman. What you just heard was the return of our good pals Art Brute 
That mm. was direct it. I like our brew a lot. Mm. And uh, I like it a lot. Now, we've been, we've been teasing this out a bit. <gasps> and uh, what we've got here is an interview, a very special interview pertaining to Dungeons and Doritos. <gasps> it is uh, myself and Hex and someone who I'll introduce you to. Someone who you're going to want to get to know intimately. His name's Rule, and he is our new dungeon master for Dungeons and Doritos. We are adapting a new style of role playing. We are going to be using Sagas RPG, which Rule has himself composed from the ground up. It's a really fast paced and exciting form of role playing that we've already done a test run of and really enjoyed. Yeah, it went it, really well. I really enjoyed it. You know, you might be, you know, worried that we've moved away from traditional Dungeons and Dragons, but this works way better with our kind of free and easy style that doing an improv radio show. This works very well. And Rule is an extremely creative guy. So, Rule, what led you to the creation of the Sagas RPG? Uh, necessity. We uh, couldn't afford to keep buying game books for every single game that we played. We were jumping from uh, Earth Dawn to Shadowrun to Palladium and Dungeons and Dragons, and it really became difficult having to swap between playing these different games as well as buying all the material for them. And nothing really seemed to catch us at the time when we were playing it, which really kind of like hooked us into the entire rule set. So we just talked it over and we found different ways of doing it, what we liked, what we didn't like, and I invented sagas from it. What's the key component that makes sagas different? Keeping it simple. I wanted a simple mechanic that handled everything. In sagas, we look at the way the characters are built with their attributes and we base everything off of that. You roll your dice from your attributes and then everything is added on to that. So you add on a skill bonus, you add on an equipment bonus, then you add on a situational modifier. And it seems like a lot of adding at the time, but it's mostly done through character creation and very little of it's actually done at the table when you're playing. So When we played it was extremely streamlined. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty fast. Which works great for the for the show, because then our listeners aren't being like, okay, I hear the dice rolling, what'd he get? And then we're like, we, then we remember to say it, and then something happens, and it was really snappy and really exciting. Well, I do like crunch. I, I like things like in D&D when you got to do some number crunching to get things going and, and to really build a character that you're proud of. I do like that, mm-hmm. but I don't like it being at the table, where it tends to slow down the game. So I tried to get that all into character creation, and modification. So, like, when you change your character, that's when you're doing all the number crunching. When you get to the table and you just start rolling dice, it's all right there in your character sheet. It's real easy to see, and you can just look down. That's what I got to roll. That's what I add. I'm done. Did it work? From the game master side, basically, you you add three or take away three based on the difficulty of a task, and you can keep it moving pretty smoothly that way. Now you had to import our characters from our D and D sheets. Or what was that experience like? Was that an, an easy task? I was expecting it to be easier because my last experience with D&D was 3rd edition. So I was kind of expecting a little bit of an easier thing. When I looked at the stuff that was going on in 4th edition, it became a little bit more cumbersome. Some of the stuff that's based on those cards just kind of had to go away because those are situational things that you actually can do as a player with your character. You know, get on the character's flank and and that mechanic's already built into the game. Mm -hmm. You don't need a special ability to do that. So kind of summarizing your character's abilities into something a little bit more natural was kind of what I had to get into. It, it was tricky, but it was doable. It, it would have been a lot easier, I think, to go from 3rd edition or 3.5. Instead of 4th. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been creating your own role-playing games? Oh, Lord. I created this one. I was about 23, 24 when I created that. So I'd only been gaming for about 4 or 5 years at the time. 
the first version of the game that we actually finished, and, and we just built it just for us to play. It only took a few months, and uh, it was really thin. I mean, it was like a little 10-page book because we were making up a lot of it as we went along. And then we just kind of I compiled everything that we had done into a regular book. It took about six months to write and rewrite and edit and change and tweak. But I'd say probably I'm still not done writing the books. Um, I constantly have to look at something and say, uh, okay, defense should be simpler. And there's still parts of the game I haven't finished writing. I haven't finished writing sci-fi elements like uh, bionics and uh, energy weapons and things like that, uh, space travel. How many, so many versions of the game are you working on? Obviously we're working in a fantasy model. And you have a book just for that. Right. I, the game is actually one set of game rules. We just broke it down into three books just to make it easier. Because to put everything into one book is, I think, a little bit too much. I think, mm-hmm. you know, somebody went out and bought a true universal RPG with something for everything in there. Well, I'm going to lean more towards fantasy. I'm going to lean more towards a modern world. I might throw these other elements in there, but it's going to be focused in that area. So that's what we're doing. We came up with fantasy first because it's the thing that most people play. Yeah. Modern came second because that was just my little love child there, and uh, sci-fi fantasy just comes later because it's the last in the timeline. We still have opportunities to do like Wild West themes and all kinds of other things, and they'll get their own player's guidebooks. Mm-hmm. The Game Master book is one book for all the systems. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they all work together. I can take any element of fantasy sagas and throw it into any other game book, and it'll work. Magic works the same in fantasy as it does in modern as it will in sci-fi. Oh, that's cool. So you could even do crossovers really easily. Very easy, yeah. I mean, it's designed for that. Literally, the bulk of the books are exactly the same. How you treat combat. Certain elements are different in, say, modern sagas. Like, we add things like using cover. Or a firearm behaves a little bit differently than using a bow and arrow. But it's just additions to the rules. It's not changing anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. you still have ready weapon modifiers and things like that. Of course, you've eliminated the necessity of having an actual physical book by making digital copies available. Yeah, I focus mostly on the digital books. Most of our products are digital books. I think they're just a lot more accessible. I think everybody likes to have a paper book, but when it comes down to price and ease of access, I think you can't beat electronic media. And we want to incorporate that all into our digital pen and paper software, which we're currently developing right now, which makes everything electronic. I've ran into a, a gamer or eight that uh, want, <laughs> that are work, always working on their own system, and you actually have your system published. Yeah. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for them? It's really easy to publish. I mean, anybody can self-publish your books. If you're publishing it to make money or to be a publishing house, expect a bucket of disappointment. Not to discourage. I don't want to discourage anybody from actually wanting to write their own books. But you have to love your game just on your own. And the way I look at it is I'm not trying to sell my game books. I'm more just kind of sharing them. But it took more than just me to write them. I have contributors, I have artists and editors and other people that work with me. They tend to want to get paid for their effort. Right. So we set up a business model so that they can get paid and I can make some money off of it too. But ultimately it comes down to we're sharing these products with you. You either like the same game we're playing and you want to buy it or you don't. So say I'm a listener of Nerdy Show and I'm, I'm intrigued. My curiosity is piqued. And you'd like to follow along. And I'd like to with, check it out. With our adventures. I mean, right. like you can easily just listen to it and enjoy it. But, but say I want to know that everything is going precisely. Where can I read up and bone up on my new rules for well, this think, game? I think it would be just convenient just for anybody that's curious because we are switching game systems. If you're curious about the game, I'm not going to make you buy it or anything. You just go to sagasrpg.com slash nerdyshow. You'll get a free PDF copy of the book. It's the same one we sell. 
you're going to get that free. The only caveat is you're not getting the actual published version of it because in July, when we release Digital Pen and Paper, anybody that's already purchased Saga's content will get the software for that content updated free. So you'll just get the PDF book, but it's the uh, full version of the game as it stands so far. And some things will be edited. Some things work a little bit different in our game than they do in there. But it's the full game, and it's just the player's guidebook. Sorry you don't get the GM guide, but it'll at least kind of keep you guys on the same page with the rest of us. And we're also going to finally, and I know you guys have been wanting this for a long time, we're going to finally have our character sheets available online, Mm -hmm. which will be updated you know, on a game-to-game basis, and you'll see what's what and what changes and everything. There's going to be a lot of new and exciting D&D content on the way later this month of June. RPG content. <laughs> well, I guess it is Dungeons and Doritos. Yeah, that's, okay. I've used the uh, D and then lowercase N D for Dungeons and Doritos, and then uh, D okay. ampersand D for D and D. But you know, that's <laughs> confusing. Sure, we're gonna have a lot more coming your way later on. Next week, we're going to release episode five of Dungeons and Doritos, which is actually the test run that we did for Sagas that we liked so much we thought we'd edit it together and give it to you. And it'll be awesome and there'll be much fanfare and it's been long awaited and I'm sorry it's taken so long. We're all sorry that it's taken so long. But it's going to be fucking amazing. That's why it's taken so, so long. So Dungeons and Doritos is back, though not the same as it was before. Uh, exciting and new and uh, I gotta say at this point we have recorded both episodes and it is a lot of fun to play and really streamlined and we had a fucking amazing time. Now keep in mind that while the gameplay itself may have altered, the characters have not. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) It's it's the same though. It's just just better or different. So if you enjoyed Jamala, Chair, Jennifer, and VMAC and Wolfbear... <laughs> You're gonna dig this. And Galdap's Gal Gal still around. Uh, uh, something that's important to note is that in neither of these episodes um, feature Brian. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> and that's just that's just a scheduling conflict. Jennifer will be back and you know flinging Eldrick blasts in no time. That's the goddamn truth. So next week, get fucking pumped for our uh, video podcast live from Los Angeles and E3 and all the cool shit. We've got a bunch of interviews and demos and whatnot lined up. We're going to be going to some uh, major press conferences, Nintendo, Sony, uh, Microsoft, fingers crossed. And it's going to be a blast, and we're going to you know, bring you along with us. I'm so jealous. Because <laughs> you got to go along, but I don't. Oh, Hex. We all have to make sacrifices, boy. Yeah, I'll be uh, busy getting Nerd Loser ready for everyone. We need to make more sacrifices because I've just been slaughtering all sorts of animals. What? To, to you know, sacrifices. No, these are metaphorical sacrifices. Not no, he has paid his penance. There is a big stack of squirrels in the backyard. Oh. Yeah. They're so easy to catch. You just dangle nuts out there. And <laughs> just, now, yeah. now, Mike, <laughs> what kind of nuts are you dangling, or should I ask? Uh, it, uh, fleshy orbs. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, go, Get guys. it? We've gone full circle. Oh, derp. <laughs> well, let me remind you again in that case that uh, please uh, vote for Nerdy Show as being the best of Orlando. Because <laughs> this is the best Orlando has to offer. <laughs> and you know that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, you know, check out nerdyshow.com for an uh, onslaught of cool shit. 24-7 until Spider-Man's dead. Oh, uh, Biomax. Oh, yeah. Are we, are we leaving?
Baby, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Nerdy Show. Nerdy Show is brought to you by support from A Comic Shop, Nerdapalooza, and the Oviedo branch of Play and Trade. And listeners like you, baby. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please whisper them into my ear up at nerdyshow.com. Info at Nerdy Show, baby. Baby, baby, your mouth is like, your mouth is like honey. It trips up my brain. It trips up my brain, girl. Anyway, you send, so you send your questions and comments to info at nerdyshow.com. Don't forget to check out more episodes at www.nerdyshow.com or at the iTunes store. You just search Nerdy Show. Yeah, I like it when you click my links, bitch. Oh, yeah. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.